It's supposed you're supposed to be a direct the Pope is supposed to be a direct su- a direct successor to Saint Peter. I thought you were gonna say yeah. direct Sicilian. Directly off the fucking island. The Pope is a Sicilian in the fact that he is square, unlike others who are round. Steve, it's not the seventeen. He's a thick you know. The Pope is a thick square man. He's a thick you know. We don't need He's a little anymore. more expensive like... than a regular pope. We don't need popes anymore that look like the professional wrestler Taz. Okay? Steve, I was making a pizza <laughs> argument. Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve along with the other Steve. Ahoy, uh, hoy. And Ryan. I am not starting off this episode acting like Marky Mark. You're eating that like uh, <laughs> I'm not doing feel it. it. You, feel you, it. You bought you bought spicy peanut sauce, but you didn't punch the clerk, right? <laughs> I blind anyone. I am enjoying the Southeast Asian food right now. I will not beat up a Southeast Asian person like the esteemed Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> all right, I don't like you. I'm going to punch you now. All right, all right. Good. Ryan just starts going on about how, you know, if he was on the plane that day, they could have been blood. <laughs> I, anytime someone starts an argument like that, I'm like, what have you drank and get away from me? You know, how, like, many, how many? What and how many yeah. have you drank? I'm just saying, if I was on the plane, those willful trained terrorists with weapons would have had another thing coming. I mean, all I gotta say is look good, feel good. It's like the, I'm telling Donnie all the time. <laughs> the only argument that I've ever Feel heard, the vibration. The only argument that I've ever heard about, like, the interruption of 9-11 was the one flight where they actually did divert it, but... Yeah, but, they, and they crashed. But they crashed, they, yeah, because they weren't only marginally successful, because the security rigors that were in place were basically non-existent, and yeah. your average person outside of the situation, your average dude, is going to be like, yeah, what if I'm going to die anyway, I'm going out like Casey fucking Ryback and under siege, and it's like, shut the fuck up, no, yeah, you're not. You Casey Ryback, you're not you're, him. You're going to puss up, just like everybody else, you know, it's One, very difficult. You don't have any. you don't have any black silk kimonos, too, I, I do not see a ponytail, three. It's, um, three, it's just very difficult to act correct in that situation, you don't know how you're going to act, you know. Well, it's, it's also the thing, too, that, like, People didn't know what was what was gonna happen. And like two, like I, I'm assuming like when someone like Mark Wahlberg makes a stupid comment like that, he's not like he's thinking that like they're gonna land the plane and he's gonna be a hero. He's not thinking like, yeah, we're gonna crash it so that it like so that like several thousand people don't die, or like I think like one or two people at the Pentagon, if yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so so like yeah, it's just like he he's not really like like saying like, Oh yeah, I would have sacrificed myself. He's saying like, yeah. I would have kicked their asses. I would have. The plane would have landed. I'm just like, saying. Like hey, Terrace. How you working. doing? I like your knife. I'm going to kick your ass. I like extending, Say hi to your mother for me. I like yeah. extending that to the people who, uh, during school shootings, are like, give me a gun. I'll go protect all those kids. I'm like, listen. Yeah, yeah cops, that works. The cops yeah. were afraid. You're not going to be John Wick when it's go yeah. time. I need you to step back a little bit, okay? Right. It's, the guy it's whose just, wife was in there. Yeah, he's so posted un- up. Like, what are you it's doing? It's so ridiculous. <laughs> the only guy that went in there was, was the guy that came second hand right no there was a lady that and ran in and snatched her kids it was a lady that's right it was a lady it was a mom mom energy man fucking mom energy dude <laughs> that, you don't fuck Tom with McClane mom energy and then when she know? came out the cops were like do you arrest her did she just go home like she didn't oh, of course really, like, commit do. a crime of course but, like, they do what they the probably fuck? shoot her <laughs> she wasn't white so she got shot coming out Steve, oh. come on. She's not a dog, okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
And they're not going to flashbang um, her because she's not a baby in a crib, so, you know. So, anyway, speaking of babies in cribs, what are we talking about this week? Uh, th- that'll actually uh, come up a little bit. Oh, no. Uh, so, uh, how, how, familiar, how familiar are you guys with the, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Very. I, I know all about it. There's some good, some bad, but mostly bad, at the, especially at the upper echelons. Most and mostly and they're bad. fucking crazy. Yep, they're fucking. Yeah, their entire mythos is is literally batshit crazy. Yeah, they're they're probably as as I've heard it put, they are the most American sect of Christianity that exists. I would argue for a number of reasons. Capitalism. Um, because, yeah, they they do become very very capitalist, and um, they like a lot of it too. It deals with like their own mythology goes into like the United States. And, and like North America and South America as being integral to sort of like their version of like the Christian um, uh, belief system and, and sort of like history and I, I don't really want to say mythos but mythos. It is I mean, a mythos. for lack of a better term. I mean, I, mean, I, I you hate to Mormons, say it, right? it's but what's a de- what's the definition of myth? I mean, it's, it's someone else's religion, right? So yeah, but you know, Christian like like. It, it, I would say more with like like myths. You, you're not really supposed to use it with like religions that people like actively like worship. Like, I mean, I, I guess if you want to be prudent, you want to be like, yeah, respectful. It's, it's, that's fine. It's it's just considered like gauche. If we want to go, if we want to go I, hard I, in the paint, though, it's definitely a myth. I, <clears> so, I, cause I, I definitely work in a in a field where I can't really like. It, it's not really prudent for me to like take those types of stands to to refer to one person's belief system as a mythology. Yeah, like you can't just like not. walk up to a, a Christian and be like, ah, the Christ myth. Ah, we have yeah. books on that. Ah, you Christ havers <laughs> and your mythology. So have you had sex yeah. yet? <laughs> yeah, I can't really. Uh, I, I try. I try not to do that. It's just like an exercise of like. Um, yeah, you got to be careful. Like, yeah. So real quick, um, before we go any further, the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. That's. Just like fundamental Mormons, if, if that's a well, thing. Well, no, that's the that's like the actual name of like the Mormons, and they prefer to be called um, like LDS is, is sort of what they refer to themselves as, um, like like within the church. Oh, um, and, okay. and they do call themselves like Mormons as a shorthand, but like LDS or, or Latter Day Saints is like how they refer to themselves like officially. I've definitely. Um when I was younger and much more immature, I've definitely like made fun of the foot soldiers and got my buddies together and ran them off of my neighborhood. Um, oh my God, Paul Walker was a fucking Mormon. No, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot Man. of Mormons. You'd be shocked. What? One of my Ryan favorite. Gosling? One of my favorite theologian, like uh, or theology scholars, is a Mormon. And then one of my favorite ham radio guys is a Mormon. Um, I, I find that a lot of people like while Mormonism is definitely one of those things like. Uh, JWs, where it's kind of uh, it really does infect your lifestyle more than other well, denominations. Jack, they, they can have you. They're just like other they, groups, though. They can have pretty normal people. They they do come out of the same sort of area and the same sort of like uh, time period, though. Right. Though, like Jehovah's Witnesses are later in like the later 1800s, whereas the Mormons are in the earlier 1800s. Right. Um, and the. Um, and and the Jehovah's Witnesses are kind of like in this uh, wave of like people falsely ascribing like the end of the world. There, there's an event called the Great Disappointment mm-hmm. where this I, I don't really want to go into it, but this this guy, a self-proclaimed <clears throat> prophet, essentially said the world was going to end. Yep. And like all of his followers and stuff sold off their possessions, and it didn't happen, obviously, because we're still here. Um, so it, it it sort of caused this thing, and other churches sort of broke off from that and, and sort of like borrowed from that. And the Jehovah's Witnesses are one 
Like, for instance, they've been they've incorrectly uh, predicted the end of the world like 19 times. And yeah. they called this thing what? They called it what? <clears throat> well, it's it's the referred to as the great disappointment that's, because that's like, what all my exes called sex with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and one day, we the church will teach Ryan to get down <laughs> and get hard. Well, but one of the things you have to understand is unlike uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, for instance. Um, and, and a lot of Christian sects in America is that the the Mormons for the early part of their history were a a, a very persecuted um, religious sect. Like yeah. they faced actual like real real persecution, real violence. Mm-hmm. You know, like when when people today talk about like, well, Christians are the most persecuted people in the world. Well, like everybody who has like any modicum of sense and has like read a newspaper knows they're full of shit. Um, but but with like <laughs> Job's witnesses, like they they were literally ran like they were ran off to Utah. Um, so like that, yep. that's the reason why they're in Utah is because essentially they, they just kept going west and they got to a point where like Salt Lake City was the like the last habitable thing before they got to literal salt flats and then uh, Brigham Young essentially said like well you know God's telling me this is where we should stay so we're gonna stay. Funny God, yeah, they, you stop here. <laughs> I'm pretty familiar with uh, with that. I I read a book about uh, Christianity. Uh, I've read several, but. Uh, there was something that mentioned that, and I, I definitely have heard stories about that before. Because the because the Mormon the Mormon president, who's the head of the church, he, he is essentially like the Pope, in yep. that there's like an apostolic um, procession, which is for those who don't know, the Pope is essentially imbued with the power of Paul, I believe, and that as as each Pope like is passed down, and, and they essentially have the power of like I, I wouldn't say a prophet, but but they have like sort of like the highest apostle. Is sort of their level, but with the head of the Mormon Church, they are actually a prophet. Um, mm-hmm. Technically, all Mormons are, are prophets. That in, in sort of like an evangelical way, that they are always having a dialogue with God. And most uh, lay Mormons are actually uh, technically priests, um, so they are at a level where they can actually like communicate with God. And it, it's a sort of a common thing that God comes to them and, and like tells them to do things. Yeah. Um, did you say it was? Did you say Paul, the Pope? Yeah, the, the, or the apostle it's Peter. Paul, it's, it? it's yeah, or Saint Peter. Peter. It's Saint Peter. Yeah, it's Peter. Right. I was gonna. I was gonna wait till you finish. I was like, they're both Peter. related, but uh, yeah. to the same thing. It's suppo- you're supposed to be a direct. The Pope is supposed to be a direct, a direct successor to Saint Peter. I thought you were gonna say yeah. direct Sicilian. Directly <laughs> off the fucking island. The Pope <laughs> is a Sicilian, and the fact that he is square, unlike <laughs> others who are round. Steve, it's not the 1700s. He's a thick. You know, the Pope is a thick, square man. He's a thick. We boy. don't. We don't need. Popes He's a little more expensive like, than a regular pope. We don't need popes anymore that look like the professional wrestler Taz. Okay, Steve, I was making a pizza <laughs> argument. I was making a pizza argument. All right, calm down. Calm down. Just calm down. Right, everybody, relax. Um, so, have you heard of the uh, Mountain Meadows massacre? Is this like the uh, Bowling Green massacre? The Mountain Meadows massacre. No. This is probably one of the uh, one of the uh, strangest and uh, like bloodiest of events in in American history that that just sort of happens. Whew, that's big um, words. Uh, <laughs> that happens like just sort of like whole cloth in the in the 19th century. Like obviously there there are bigger ones, but just just sort of like not in an act of like war. That's what I would name like my like metal album if I had a metal band: Whole Cloth Bloody. That's what I would name. <laughs> and, and, and the event itself goes uh, largely. 
<laughs> and the event itself goes largely unpunished for a number of reasons, which which we'll talk about. Because the so Mormons weren't were involved. <laughs> yeah, because well, a because they're Mormons, but like they didn't really have a really good you know namesake or reputation that they didn't nobody cared about them anyway. Well, because part of the thing is is that it's it's Mormons uh, doing right. the massacre on on what it, what they refer to as Gentiles as non Mormons, mm. um, and and sort of like uh, we'll we'll get into it of like why. Um, th- this like was never fully investigated, and why uh, we still don't know a lot of things of like exactly like why it happened. Oh, wait, um, the Mormons attacked other people. Yes, the the Mormons, oh. uh, as we'll get to, they they massacred um, uh, around 150 uh, people, including uh, women and children. That's what was this called? The That's Marshall the- Mathers massacre. What was it's that? the LP. It's the Marshall Mathers LP. It's not the EP because EP yeah. came first, and it was like, nah, it's kind of mid. But the LP, the Mo- the mountain Ma- the mountain meadows LP. <laughs> they 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 yelled out "Mom spaghetti," and that was the code word. Hi kids, shooting. Do you like Christ things? But I mean, like, if you're just mass murdering people, that's not very Christ-like. Dude, uh, ne- sh- it- show me one public Christian who is Christ-like. I can show you, like, one or two. I actually, I well, know a couple where I'm kind of like, all right, like, but, you, you might be the first true believer, like, that you like walk Like, maybe walk. Fred Rogers, right? Yeah, Fred but, Rogers, well, definitely. Uh, Bob well, Ross, the thing too. is, the thing is within the Mormon, the view set of the Mormons, especially during this time period, there there is sort of a, a theological um, concept that they believe in. That that's sort of like been like hushed up and like discredited by the church called blood atonement, right? Where wherein that someone can commit a crime that is that is considered so grievous by the church, the only the only like ethical way to deal with it is to kill them, um, and it's and you're sort of absolved of your sins because their their crime was like so grievous. Like that's you do. Catholics invented a way to just be like, hey, you know, if you give us money, we could probably not have to have you sentenced and killed. We could probably yeah. just have you hit me with like five our fathers Indul- and maybe ten Hail Marys and we can yeah, this whole thing up. I love the system of indulgences or the like oh. planner, plenary indulgence where if you walk through the gates <coughs> of a church on a sim- on a feast day of a certain well, saint or well something now, like that, you're forgiven of all sin. Catholics got a couple things right I'm not mad at them for. I'm not going to lie to you. You just pay your way into heaven basically. Like, listen. I wouldn't say I'm not mad, but they're, they're, they're neat shortcuts. You know, <laughs> well, all well, you guys, magic. you see, with with Mormons, you know, now in order to atone for any any slights against them, all you have to do is like buy into their multi level marketing. You know, you uh, buy some Google <laughs> Row from them, some vitamins. No, you know? is that no, real? Sir. Like, and did they actually sell sell it out like that too? What? What, like you, what you just what you just said? Do the Mormons sell indulgences? No, no, they don't. Okay. They're not okay. direct indulgences, but they do have like Te- MLMs. Technically, technically, Mormons can't go to. Uh, can't go to hell. There, there's like, there's like, I don't, I don't want to get into it theologically. <laughs> what a convenient like, fucking excuse! You can't but, go to hell if you're. Hey, listen, guys, just come join my religion. You can't go to hell. Uh, what, are the, like, what, what are the selling point do you need? Like, we don't have hell. You can't go there. There, there's like layers of heaven, and if you don't like, <laughs> if if you're not like a devout Mormon, like first, like the, the entry level, like there's entry level Mormon heaven, and then below that there's like the heaven ghetto what kind the of. Fuck is that? Kabbalah. What is this <laughs> shit? <laughs> so how do I get? All right. So how do I? Right, you started right, real, a. You started listen. a paragraph with technically Mormons can't go to hell. <laughs> that is amazing. Listen. How do I get a room? Look. I don't need like a penthouse in heaven, but I need. Like, I need at least over the third or fourth floor. I want a little bit of a view. <laughs> and does it cost extra for a balcony? I guess. Well. 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 At the highest levels, you, you get your own planet, and then you get to have like all your. All your wives and have endless celestial sex as the cartoon. Uh, Mormon Jesus. Are we talking boom, about boom, Scientology? Boom, boom. 
Mormon Jesus. Hey, can I use that as the opening song? <laughs> I mean, as long as we, as long as we're in like rights uses. Yeah, we. It's so shady. That's why I don't do it. Oh um, my god. So in in early 1857, uh, what comes to be known as the Baker uh, Fancher Party is formed by several groups out of um, out of out of a number of counties in, in northwestern Arkansas, mainly Marion, Crawford, Carroll, and Johnson counties. Um, they uh, they assemble into a wagon train at Beller's Stand, which is south of Harrison, um, Arkansas, um, in order to um, start new lives in Southern California. So these guys are kind of like the like just like the Oregon Trail, blazing west, right? Yes, um, though they're they're taking a, a southern trail as opposed to the the Oregon Trail, which is a more northern trail. Okay. Uh, so they uh, they're initially referred to as both the uh, Baker Train and the Perkins Train. Um, but later they're referred to as the uh, Baker Fancher uh, train or party. Um, okay. And this is mainly due to the leader. And the, if someone did it nowadays, they would be Baker acted. <laughs> In Florida. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's mainly named, uh, the, the Fancher comes from the, the leader of the wagon train, who is a Colonel Alexander Fancher, who's sort of a, a veteran who has uh, made the journey to California twice uh, before this, so he, he's sort of like a seasoned leader who can, like, help people um, get to California. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It says here that on his gravestone it says horny for gold. That's why <laughs> you know, he went to California multiple times. <laughs> he just he just did one of those, like, prospector jigs where he just starts going on about gold. And I'm hard for around. bars. There's gold in them near hills. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, so by the horny standards for of gold? the— no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you heard me. I'm horny for gold. Like, like Goldmember in the hit film. <laughs> in the hit film. Austin Powers, Goldmember. Starring um, Michael Myers six different wait, times over. Austin Powers is Mormon? Wait, yes. What? Is he for... Oh, you're making a joke. No. I hate you. No, he's simply Canadian. <laughs> I mean, same difference, right? I mean... Austin Powers is... Definitely British, guys. <laughs> um, relative relative to the standards of the time, the uh, the party, the Baker Fancher party, is, is uh, relatively prosperous. What year is um, this? This is uh, eighteen fifty seven. Okay. Um, so they're they're relatively uh, prosperous. Um, they are well equipped, um, and they are they are very well organized. Um, they also have among them um, several families uh, and individuals from other states, including the state of Missouri. Um, the group, uh, as I said, were, were relatively wealthy and planned to um, restock supplies in Salt Lake City, um, as did a lot of wagon trains at the time, um, as, as sort of like one of the last stop-offs before you hit um, some of the major deserts in Southern uh, California, um, and then in, um, told you over until you got over the Rocky Mountains into California. Right. Um, at the time of the wagon train's arrival into the Utah Territory, it's organized as a theocratic, democratic state under the leadership of one Brigham Young, who is the head of the Mormon Church at that time. Right. Um, he had also um, he, he had established colonies around what was called the California Trail and the Old Spanish Trail, um, which are the trails you would use in order to go into Southern California. Um, due to recent events at this time as well, then-President James Buchanan had issued an order to send troops to Utah um, which led to rumors within the territory that the United States government was going to come in and possibly uh, start enforcing their own law there. Uh, because at this time, 
um, within the Utah Territory, um, Brigham Young is essentially the leader of that area and doesn't answer to, like, anyone. So he's like uh, like a, uh, what's it called, like a warlord, kind of. In a sense, it is it is somewhat of a democratic state. Um, it, it's him, and then it's the, the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Well, wait a minute. I mean, can you even say the word democratic when someone says they don't answer to anyone? Well, he answers to God. Yeah, but that's that's not <laughs> democracy. Fuck. Well, that's that is authoritarianism, like definition. <laughs> but it, while it is authoritarianism, I, I would not call him a warlord because a warlord insinuates that that he's only holding uh, sway over that region through like, military might. Right. Okay. Whereas, like all the people who are living in the territory at that time are either Native Americans or they are adherents to the Mormon faith. So, so these are people who like want to be there and want to follow Brigham Young. Got okay. it. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so James Buchanan's pissed off because this guy says that you, I don't, I don't follow your law. So this well, is this guy's OG sovereign citizen. Well, it's, well, it's, it's, it's just so much that they don't really know what's going on there, and they're sort of worried about a group of like religious weirdos carving out their own territory within land that's owned right. by the United States government. Right. Um. So uh, eventually, during this time period, due to um. Uh, Due to like these events, Brigham Young starts issuing orders for the local population uh, to prepare for the arrival of these Amer- uh, these uh, U.S. troops, um, and eventually declares uh, martial law. Um, but exactly what um, the martial law he declares means um, is, is sort of up to debate, even at the time of the events that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the Baker Fancher Party arrives in Salt Lake City, um, they are refused um, they are refused business by the people there. Um, and they chose to leave Salt Lake City and take the old Spanish trail, which passes through southern Utah. So the Baker Fancher Party, there are people who follow Brigham Young, right? Am I no, no. No, the Baker Fancher Party, they're they're mostly I believe they're mostly Baptist. Okay. Um they're they are not Mormons. I'm sorry. And the fact that and the fact that they have people from Missouri with them are probably why they also have um the the sort of like welcome they're getting in Utah. Um, because at that time in Missouri, until 1975, there was an executive order from the governor saying you could lawfully kill Mormons. It was a, they, they had an oh, extermination act in yeah, Missouri. I do remember that. And, and that's why they left, right? Well, yeah, that was one of the reasons why they left. Wait, um, lawfully? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, essentially saying that these people are enemy of the state and that and that if you have to deal with them, you can deal with them. Are you just surprised because it's Mormons or are you just surprised because I'm like, surprised that fit? there was a law... That it said was, well, you could kill them. Okay, now well, wait, 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 it was Steve, an executive Steve, wait, 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 order. Wait, 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 Steve, wait, wait. Hey, listen, other Steve. Um, but they're not this black. Is, this is. So, oh, there like, we go. There it is. You're surprised. My point is white. No, there I'm not. Is. I'm not fucking naive. I like. I'm. I'm. I understand the time period. Yeah, America, uh, baby. I'm there shocked. Definitely laws to I'm kill shocked that there was a law in place that would allow you to kill. Well, anyone. It, it wasn't a law. It was an executive order. Whatever. So essentially, the, so essentially, the governor said, like, uh, yeah. if it's a law, it means it has to go through like the legislature and it's, and exactly, it's, 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 it's effectively a law because a people people law. would people would wield it to commit acts. So that makes you know it technically it, it, a law of the land. And it and it essentially got repealed because like it got brought up that it was still like legal, like those like those laws about like walking alligators on Wednesdays or whatever. <laughs> So, so the, so the governor was like, "Yeah, we're we're gonna repeal that." Uh, yeah, we can't have this going on. Jesus, what's um, the biggest problem? Well, we can't get any business. <laughs> Nobody will come here because there's a law where you could just be killed. 
Well, if you're a Mormon. Yeah. If you're if you got a Donny Osmond album in your hand, you're 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 fair game. <laughs> They're just gonna start blasting. <laughs> <laughs> click click blast them. Now these were the days before Marie, if you understand, okay? <laughs> George 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 Romney's coming into town to like Who the fuck <laughs> is run. Who's George Romney? He was Mitt Romney's father. He he was in the presidential primary in oh, um, I don't know much about sixty eight, I think. I don't know much he about He was the Mitt. mayor of he was the mayor of Detroit. I yeah, heard I Romney, and I knew Mitt Romney was a Mormon, so I figured it was either Pops or Grandpops. Yeah, I didn't, know much, his dad. I didn't know much about Mitt. His his grandpa was in Mexico because his uh, his family were polygamists, and they left the church in the United States when polygamy was outlawed. In Polygamy. I don't understand why, like, to me, like, the whole thing with Mormonism when I was younger is every time I hear it, that's what people say. It's just a bunch of horny dudes who want multiple wives, and that's all it really comes down to at the end of the day. I mean, I've I realized mean, <laughs> there's a whole thing built up around it, but at the end of the day... I don't know much about the Mormon version of it, but man, if you are Islamic and you decide to take multiple wives, there are, like, laws set to how you have to take care of each and every one of those wives and provide for them. So it's, you know, you get this idea in your head, and I feel like it's the same kind of idea of, you know, a kid who thinks of a threesome, right? It, it sounds good in theory, but then in practice, it's like... Okay, it's fun, but it is a lot of work. You yeah, you need I mean? a lot of energy for that, you know? Right, so if you're one of these... Now, again, I don't know if the Mormons have actual strict laws set up to say, hey, if you marry, let's say, you know, 10 wives, you have to take care of, the, you know, equally, whatever. That takes so much more energy than you could ever conceive of. I'm right? saying. You have, to, you have to take care... Like, within within Mormonism, they, they're, they you do have to, like... During, during that time, you do have to, like, take care of them. Right. But, like, some of them also had... Like like dozens of wives, like Brigham Young and and Joseph Smith, and some of their wives are like very young. Okay, um, that's the problem. That's that's, that's, that's the problem. Yeah, that's, I think that's Joseph of, Smith though. You're supposed to refer to him as Jay Smitty. I think that's what well, that's what I heard. You gotta you gotta refer to him as JS, like L R H. Like we salute you, JS. Um, well, that was one of the reasons why they got run out of Illinois is because Joseph Smith had multiple wives and some of them were also underage and they're pretty much just like okay be doing this shit weren't like, most the of them out. underage again I need a little bit of a little bit of what I when I say underage Steve I don't mean like 17 or 16 oh I mean like no 12. I am well aware <laughs> of what you mean yeah so my only question is were they run out of town because he had multiple wives and some of them were children or were they run out of town because the guy was fucking children? And nobody cared about the fact that he was married to a couple people, a dozen people. They're like, but you're having it sex was, with children. You have to it go. Was, it was it was a number it was a number of things because like he's not advertising the fact that he's married to them, and then when they right. find out that like because like if you're quote unquote married to them, the implication is that you've had sex with them. Correct. So like so so like having a child bride like that as as like a, a man of his age is just sort of like yeah that that's not acceptable. Exactly, but what um, I'm saying is, were they run out because he was married to children, or were they run out because he was married to multiple wives? All, and all of children? the above. Okay. All, all of the above. So they were not. It, they just, were not cool with anything. <laughs> yeah, and 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 also too. Uh, I don't like it. Which, which, which comes up, which comes up in Missouri a lot too, is that they were buying up a lot of land, and they were essentially they're like, still doing it, like controlling, um, like like sort of controlling important roads and stuff like that, and setting up tolls. So people began worried that this like sect of weirdos were gonna like yeah I believe sort of, like take control of the state. I believe they referred to that as the uh, the troll toll system. I think that's what it was. The troll toll. Um, come on, that so, was a good one. 
We're not talking about boys' holes, okay? Uh, I, think boys I, holes. I think we might have been. I <laughs> we, think that's what they very well might have been. Um, in August of 1857, uh, the Mormon apostle George A. Smith uh, traveled throughout the southern part of Utah, instructing settlers there to begin to stockpile grain um, in order to uh, withstand a possible siege from the United States federal government. Um, like I explained before, uh, a Mormon apostle is one of the uh, the twelve apostles of the quorum that leads the Mormon Church under the church president. Right. Um, the board so, of directors. Yeah. Um, while, while while on his uh, return trip to Salt Lake City, uh, Smith camps near the Baker Fancher party on August twenty fifth at Corn Creek. Um, so the Baker Fancher party at this point had traveled one hundred and sixty five miles uh, south from Salt Lake City. Um, and Jacob Hamblin has suggested that the wagon train continue on the trail and rest their cattle at Mountain Meadows, which had good pastures and was adjacent to his homestead. Um, while most witnesses uh, said that the Fanchers were in general uh, pretty peaceful, um, there were rumors spread that they had done um, misdeeds uh, throughout their time in Utah. Um, a U.S. Army uh, Brevet Major uh, James Henry uh, Carlton who led the first federal investigation into the murders, uh, uh, published his findings in 1859. He recorded uh, Hamblin's account that the train was alleged to have poisoned a spring near Corn Creek. Um, this uh, allegedly resulted in the deaths of 18 head of cattle and two or three people who ate the contaminated meat. Goddamn, does, does that um, mean like they, they intentionally poisoned a creek or like they just dumped like human feces or something like like dumped waste in it and just it well, contaminated the creek? I, I believe it's that they had put like actual poison into it, considering the fact that how it killed the animals. Right. Because um, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think like you're, you're going to get poisoned from eating eating the meat of like a freshly dead cow that killed over from drinking poopy water, which which I don't think is really going to like kill a cow anyways because they're pretty resilient. Right. Um, yeah, they probably just um, get sick. So uh, Carlton interviewed the father of a child who allegedly died. Um, uh, from this uh, poisoned spring, allegedly um, died. <laughs> yeah, because there's no allegedly there, died. Because there's there's no actual proof that that the child died that way. Um, but but he sort of believed the grief of the father. Oh, okay, I understand. So he now. could still be walking around to this day. Is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> it's just what's it called the the wandering Jew? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus. Uh. Um, he also included a statement from an investigator who did not believe the Fancher party was capable of poisoning the spring, given its size. Um, Carlton um, invited readers to consider a potential explanation for the rumors of misdeeds, noting that the general atmosphere of distrust among the Mormons for strangers at that time, and that some locals appeared jealous of the Fancher party's apparent wealth. Uh, the Baker Fancher party left Corn Creek and continued, uh, continued 125 miles to Mountain Meadows, uh, passing uh, Parowan and Cedar City, um, and um, and those communities were led respectively by stake president William H. Dame and Isaac C. Haight. Um, Haight and Dame were, in addition, the senior regional military leaders of what was called the Nauvoo Legion. The Nauvoo Legion was the um, sort of the military of the Mormon Church at that time. Um, and when I say stake president, um, they're not only sort of like the pseudo mayors of these uh, townships. They're also the religious leaders of these townships as well. I see. No problems could arise from that whatsoever. Yeah, I can't think of any. Not one. So so as the Baker Fancher party approaches, 
uh, several meetings are held in Cedar City in nearby Parowan by the local LDS leaders uh, on what they should do to implement uh, Brigham Young's Declaration of Martial Law. Um, on the afternoon of Sunday, September 6th... Well, first, I- we got to find Sam O'Hung, because we can't do the show again without him. <laughs> we hold it together. It's going to be hard to recast. I was, waiting, I was waiting for the perfect moment to throw in my Sam O'Hung reference. <laughs> I've got... I've got stacks of headshots, and we got a week. We'll just get him. <laughs> but on the afternoon of Sunday, September 6th, Height held his weekly stake high council meeting after church services and brought up the issue of what to do with these um, with these uh, foreigners coming through on their way to California. Well, he tried to do it uh, during church services, but he was very unpopular. So explain something to you. What is their, what is their deal? Like, why don't they just let people... What are the Mormons' deal? Online? Is that your question? Yeah, what the, I mean, look, we're going to have an episode for what the fuck is their deal. Well, but why can't they just let these people just truck on through and just leave them the fuck alone? Well, that's, that's part of the deal? reason why people don't really, like... And what's the deal with like, Mormons? Oh, wait, I'm sorry, what? Of, of why this... Of why this happened because a lot of this has to do with no, like, Seinfeld would be totally fine with them <laughs> they got child but this brides is, but this is this is a hundred percent these people are isolated they they know that like like shit's probably going to go down soon they they've most of them have probably also faced like real persecution and they can't go to hell so this is paranoia they, they, is what it is it's it's essentially paranoia and this is the equivalent of like you see somebody you don't know drive through your neighborhood or, like, walk through your neighborhood. Happens all the time. Who the fuck is that? No, it happens except, all the time. It's ex- whatever. <laughs> except. So, like, but, yeah, but some people do that, but, like, I've been doing that since I was a kid because I grew up in the city. So, like, when I, I grew up, it's, I grew it's up essentially like, that in mentality. And, like, you just, it, when you saw someone who wasn't from your neighborhood walking around, you just, it, it didn't matter what color they were, it didn't matter what race. Well, some people did. But like, <laughs> yes, it did. But like, you just, you were just like, who the fuck's that guy? And you, you, you mean, from South Boston. You mean, absolutely mattered. You definitely mean mug him, and like, oh, it's and it's so dumb, you know. But anyway, um, especially the if they're Mormon. If you see Mormons walking through your neighborhood, you gotta, you gotta run them off. You gotta get them out. No, I just answer the door naked. They never come back. You just, you it's just the only way. Listen, town. listen, that is the Flying only way the- I have ever had them never come back to my door. As I answered, butt ass naked. You probably shouldn't admit to that. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm in my own house. I just told them, listen, guys, I'm not interested. And they're like, uh, but you're you're not interested in, in the kingdom of no. No, I just acted like like I was a nudist. Not when like we, we uh, doing like a sexual I thing. Think- it was just like I'm a nudist, and they just never came back. We, we had I'm the, kind uh, of insulted. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of insulted by that. <laughs> I think it's sad. They have no choice but to go out there and do this whole mission thing. Like they're they're not they're not given any option. They're inculcated from the time they're youth, um, and just shoved into this bullshit like back door of J.C. Penny attire. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> and given a fucking huffy and told to go recruit people like. And, and, and so I'm sorry about their methods are so poor because if you think about it, only the worst people are going to respond to someone making a persuasive argument on a bike wearing a uniform. You know what okay, I mean? Real quick, though. Have you ever seen the video of the two Mormon kids in the hood playing basketball? Yes. And they fucking ball on these kids. And I was like, 
Oh my god, where the fuck did that come well, from? You can't Why judge. are you preaching? Why are you not in the goddamn NBA? Yeah, They're yeah. going to play for BYU, okay? Exactly. Uh, time. After <laughs> yeah. they do their mission, straight to BYU, <laughs> Listen, they just dominate. If there'd ball be, is life, then you you could have some skill. You know? And then they're, he's going to be the next Kristaps Porzingis. Their entire admission <laughs> application is just that YouTube video of them just fucking crushing the, like a game of pickup ball. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I was gonna say if it makes you feel any better that the church is in like as like all Christian <coughs> churches are sort of like in decline. Um, so it's it's not so much as fact as like yeah they do that, but like it's it's not as you don't like, see them as much anymore. Yeah, it is also I, I would say it's not as like as big of a thing as like it is for Jehovah's Witnesses because you just do your mission when you're like you just do your two years or whatever, and mm-hmm. then you don't have to do it for the rest of your life. Huh. Um, but but if you're like but but if you're like a Jehovah's Witness, it's like that. That's like every weekend for the rest of your life. Yeah, because the world's coming to an end. Um. So you one of the know? plans. Of, well, <laughs> Steve, <laughs> I keep reading the Watchtower. Okay? Oh my god, that's a throwback. The Watchtower. Let me get me fucking uh, started. So, one of the plans that that heightened the uh, State Council discussed is is to have a a quote unquote Native American massacre. Of of the wagon party, um, and, and this is sort of to have either um, either push the local Native Americans. Uh, it, usually, I believe they would be referring to the Paiute tribe, um, who eventually uh, are involved in the events that take place here, um, or sort of disguising themselves as Native Americans and carrying out uh, the massacre. Um, the the council they they resolved to take no action until uh, Height sends a writer, uh, one James Haslam. Out to the um, out the following day uh, to carry um, uh, to carry an express uh, message to Salt Lake City asking what to do, which is a six day round trip on horseback from where they are. Um, and this is to ask um, Brigham Young because they do not have a telegraph system in Utah at that time. Hmm. So uh, horseback messenger is the only way to really convey news and and information. That's the name of my metal band, by the way. Horseback, horseback messenger. messenger. Yeah. <laughs> Not Pony Express? No, fuck that. That sounds, that sounds like a baby metal. You know? <laughs> horseback messenger, full cloth, bloody. Let's go. Uh, we, don't, we don't know what Height told Lee, um, but it, it may have had something to do with their decision to wait um, uh, for the advice of Brigham Young in order to act. Um, so the uh, Baker Fancher party, uh, they find uh, water and fresh grazing uh, for their, their livestock and horses after reaching uh, Mountain Meadows, um, which is actually a um, which is actually at that time a popular stop off on the old Spanish Trail. Um, and they the do this in early September. <laughs> Spanish Trail. <laughs> the old Spanish Trail. Um, they they plan to spend the next uh, the next several days uh, resting um, before they um, they do the next forty miles that would take them out of Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, on September seventh, uh, the party is attacked by Navajo Legion militiamen dressed as Native Americans and some Paiutes. Um, the Baker Fancher party defends itself. Um, they circle their wagons. Uh, lowering their wagons, um, chaining their wheels together, um, and also dig shallow trenches and throw dirt uh, both below and into their wagons um, in order to make a barrier to um, to hold out. Um, seven of the wagon train members are killed during the opening attack and buried somewhere within the wagon encirclement. Sixteen more are wounded. How, so how many wagons are there in this train again? 
Uh, we don't know the um, the 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 entire amount, um, but enough for um, around 160 to 170 people. Do we know roughly how many people fit to a wagon? Because like I just want an idea of how big this like encirclement well, was. Well, not everybody is riding in the wagon. Okay. Um, so like you would either you you would either walk alongside the wagon, um, or or you would ride on a horse. Okay. Um, so, so it is a pretty big, um, it, it is a pretty big, like, sort of encirclement. It's, now, it's not a small thing. I've heard that they would uh, try to save the horses and ride the cowboys. That's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard. It's part of a conservation effort. <laughs> so I'm going to go back through all the episodes and try to figure out whether if that's the worst joke I've ever made or the second no, you worst. Made worse. yeah. you, you made definitely worse. Yeah, you, you've made worse. But, that's not bad but, at all. Yeah. But, but getting material from the back of like pickup trucks is not the uh, yeah, not the best. Don't uh, cut bumper sticker jokes in here, Steve. Okay, yeah. we need look, some originality. My look, my D student fucked your honor student. All right. <laughs> yeah, and I, listen. Yeah, and I sold drugs to your honor student. All right. Yeah. So it doesn't Absolutely. fucking matter. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course not. Of course I did. Um, so the siege goes on for around five days. The siege. Um, uh, during which the the families in in the wagon um, in the wagon train um, they have no access to fresh water or, or food um, and their ammunition is depleted over time as they use their stocks. Right. Um, so uh, meanwhile, um, leadership among the local Mormons uh, breaks down. Um, fear begins to spread among the militia leaders uh, that some of the members of the wagon train might have caught sight of of the people who are attacking them and realized that they are not. Native Americans, but they are actually white people, um, and that they could have possibly been able to discern who some of their attackers were. Oh, so they were doing brownface way back in the day? Cancel, cancel, cancel them right now! Cancel the Mormons doing brownface. Caught them, 4K right there. It's in the history books. Jeez. I, well, you know, until nineteen, um, in, until like nineteen seventy-five or, or somewhere around that time period. It was the official stance of the Mormon Church that uh, people of color uh, carried a curse from God. Um, yeah, it's called it, what is it called? The Mark of Cain. Well, it's, they, it, for them, it's not the Mark of Cain. It's the um, people but it's from the similar. land of God. It, it's essentially it, within the Mormon uh, belief system is that uh, Native Americans are sort of the wicked descendants of the lost tribe of Israel, and that the the evil ones wiped out the good tribe, and then God like destroyed all the evidence, and then made the uh, and made these like Israelites um, brown. Not as powerful they're, they're, of a god as you they, thought, huh? He let the evil ones kill the good ones, and then he covered it up. And then they're called uh, <laughs> they're, they're called uh, Lamanites within oh, the uh, Book of Mormon. Uh, I was if you, I, if you, I love laminating. It's um, <laughs> if if you've watched the if you've watched the like the miniseries uh, under the banner of heaven. About the uh, Mormon brothers who like kill a bunch of people. No, um, God, no. What? It's it's a it's a really good miniseries. Um, but but one but yeah, I'm gonna watch it right the- after I get done watching uh, the Blacklist. Uh, yeah, it sounds great. But but several of the characters refer to uh, one of the detectives who's Native American as a Lamanite. Oh no, <laughs> that um, seems which, which is which is like old which is like old timey like Mormon racism. That just seems like Mormon like- racist. Do 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 do. <laughs> Um, Mormon racist, dude. That's some. So, it's one of those things that, like, if even if you didn't know what the word meant, if somebody's like, "Look at this fucking lemonite over here," you'd be like, "Bro, whoa, 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 slow whoa, the fuck whoa, down!" Whoa, 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 wh
you know how some words just come out they just sound like hard they have yeah it sounds bad to them yeah it just has a bad sound to it it's got bad cut you're, you're yeah. not wrong um so the leaders uh fearing that the that the jig might be up and that they might be implicated in and sort of like killing these people um they resolve that the only thing they can do is to uh kill everyone there except for the small children on Friday, September 11th, 1857, uh, two militiamen approach uh, the wagons with a white flag and are soon followed by, um, by Indian agent and militia leader John D. Lee. Uh, Lee told, that the, um, told the wagon train um, that he had negotiated a peace with the Paiutes, who he said were the ones attacking him. He said that under Mormon protection, the wagon train members would be escorted safely back to Cedar City, 36 miles away in exchange for all of their livestock and supplies um, being given over to the Native Americans. Um, they accept this offer, and the immigrants are led out of their fortification uh, with um, adult men being separated from the women and children. Uh, the men are paired with a militia escort, um, and when the signal is given, the militia men turn and shoot the male members of the Baker uh, Fancher party um, standing by their side. Uh, women and children are then ambushed, and killed by more militia that were hiding in nearby bushes and ravines. Um, some of them um, beaten to death by the militia members. Jesus um, Christ. Yeah, with their own uh, shoes. Uh, members of the militia are... <laughs> what? <laughs> what are Spanish now? Was no, not, it's it's a shocking. Fucking Wayne's World. <laughs> they were beat to death with their own shoes. So this shopkeeper and his son, that was a different story altogether. Yeah, they're not tigers. <laughs> I must say, you just gave like a whole generation of Hispanic people PTSD just hearing that it beat to death with a shoe. Oh <laughs> the, chancla. <laughs> the chancla! Uh, the chancla! The plan of the, the... All members of the militia are sworn to secrecy, and the plan is to blame the massacre on the Paiutes. Um, the Paiutes, um, they they generally don't want any part in this, um, and, and they sort of, like, after the initial events of, like, attacking the Baker Fancher party when they realize what's going on, um, they, they sort of, like, wash their hands of it and and, and leave. Um, so the militia do not kill um, any of the children they deemed who were too young to relate what had happened. Um, so 120 to 140 people um, who were part of the wagon train are murdered. Hmm. Um, so while uh, just to give uh, some clarity on the level of like how this stands to the uh, the massacres that the Mormons have gone through, uh, one of the most um, egregious massacres that the Mormons had gone through, um, one at Hans Mill in 1838, um, resulted in only the deaths of 18 Mormons. Um, and they were also allowed to leave after Hans Mill. Um, they, they were essentially o- allowed to, like, pick up their belongings and leave the and leave the state. And how, uh, many, while they, how many more killed? 18. Eight, as opposed one, to... One as eight. opposed to... 18. One eight. Yeah. As, okay. as opposed to the, uh, the up to 140 possible people who were uh, murdered in the wagon train. Um, Nancy Huff, who was one of the 17 survivors and was just over four years old at the time of the massacre, recalled in 1875 statement that an 18th survivor was killed directly in front of the other children. Um, she stated, at the close of the massacre, there was 18 children still alive, one girl, some 10 or 12 years old. They said was too big and could tell, so they killed her, leaving 17. Um, the survivors were taken in by local Mormon families. Um, and all 17 of the children were later reclaimed by the U.S. Army and returned to relatives in Arkansas. Um, the treatment the children received um, as they were held by the uh, Mormon families is uncertain, 
Um, but at Captain James Lynch's statement in May of 1859, so the surviving children were, quote-unquote, in a most wretched condition, half-starved, half-naked, filthy, infested with vermin, and their eyes diseased from the cruel neglect to which they had been exposed. <clears throat> okay, so, <laughs> all right, hang on one second. You started that entire statement with, we don't know how the Mormons treated them when they had them. And you ended that statement with half-starved, half-naked. Well, I, I say please. that because that's what... That that's one that's that's like one person's um, sort of version of the events, which is most likely the truth. It, it's it's generally the general assumption and belief is that the Mormon families use them as like slaves, um, and that and that um, there we go, there we go. And, but 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 again, this is all just sort of like like hearsay. Who was um, the guy so that, that we got that statement from? Who was he? It, it was a U.S. Army captain. Mm-hmm. I'm going to um, take his word. Um, and in, he also stated in a July 1859 affidavit um, that when he first saw the children, they had little or no clothing and were covered with filth and dirt. So he said that in an affidavit. I have tendency to believe that the Mormons were not treating these children appropriately. Yes, they, they most definitely weren't. But I'm just stating this is this is what this is uh, like. We, we don't know entirely what happened. But, but this is just sort of the aftermath of it. We don't know all the details. Yeah. I mean, it's conjecture, but it's also not, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, Leonard J. Arrington, um, the founder of the Mormon History Association, uh, reports that Brigham Young received the, the writer that was sent, um, James Haslam, at his office on the same day as the massacre. Um, when Young learned um, what, was, uh, what was being contemplated by the militia leaders of Parowan and Cedar City, um, he sent back a letter stating that the Baker Fancher party was not to be meddled with and should be allowed to go in peace. Um, although he acknowledged that Native Americans could do as they pleased because they were not under their direction. Right. Um, Young's letter arrived two days uh, too late on September 13, 1857. Um, the livestock and personal property of the Baker Fancher party, including women's jewelry, clothing, and bedstuffs, were distributed or auctioned off to Mormons. Um, some of the surviving children saw clothing and jewelry that had belonged to their dead mothers and sisters uh, being worn by Mormon women, um, and the journalist J.H. Beadle said that jewelry taken from Mountain Meadows was seen in Salt Lake City as well. Um, an early investigation was conducted by Brigham Young, um, who interviewed John D. Lee on September 29, 1857. In 1858, Young sent a report to the Commissioner of Indian Affairs stating that the massacre was the work of Native Americans. Um, um, soon after this, there, there becomes a, a very um, a sort of limited uh, event called the Utah War, which is sort of a standoff between the federal government and the Mormons that lasts from May 1857 to July of 1858. Mm-hmm. Um, this sort of delays any investigation from the federal government until 1859, when the aforementioned Jacob Forney and U.S. Brevet Major James Henry uh, Carlton uh, conduct investigations. Um, In Carlton's investigation, um, at Mountain Meadows, he found women's hair tangled in sagebrush and the bones of children still in their mother's arms. Um, Carlton later said that it was, quote-unquote, a site which can never be forgotten. Um, After gathering up the skulls and bones of those who had died, Carlton's troops buried them and erected a cairn and a cross. Wow. Um, Carlton interviewed a few of the uh, local Mormon settlers and um, Paiute 
uh, Native American chiefs and concluded that um, included that there was Mormon involvement in the massacre. Um, he issued a report in May of 1859 addressed to the U.S. Assistant um, Adjutant General setting forth his findings. Um, Jacob Forney, the superintendent of Indian Affairs for Utah, also investigated, and that included visiting the region in the summer of 1859. Uh, Forney retrieved many of the surviving children of massacre victims who had been housed with Mormon families and gathered them up for transportation to Arkansas to be with their families. He concluded that the Paiutes um, did not act alone, as stated in the, um, in the in the report that he was given, and that the massacre would not have occurred without the white settlers' help. Uh, while Carlton's report to the U.S. Congress called the mass killings a heinous crime, blaming both local and senior church leaders for the massacre. In March of 1859, Judge John uh, Cradlebow, a federal judge brought into the territory after the Utah War, convened a grand jury in Provo concerning the massacre, but the jury declined to indict any of those involved. Why? Uh, because they're indicting Mormons with, a, like, all Mormon jury. Like, they're like, no, yeah, we're not doing that. Mormon jury. It's the same... Go ahead. It's the same reason nobody uh, nobody white in, in the South got convicted for any crimes against black people from right. 1970. Right. <laughs> you, do you think black people if got that. a jury of their peers? Look, we investigated ourselves and we found ourselves innocent yeah. of any wrongdoing. Yeah. Um, uh, Cradleball, though, uh, after this, still conducted a tour of Mountain Meadows area with a military escort. Um, he attempted to arrest John D. Lee, Isaac Height, and John Higby, um, who had fled and could not be found. Uh, Cradleball publicly charged Brigham Young as an instigator to the massacre and therefore an accessory before the fact. Wait, Brigham Young, isn't he like the governor or like the leader of the area? Well, he's well, he's the he's the leader, he's but the United States Jesus. government doesn't recognize him as governor. Uh-huh. And even if he was the, the governor, he could still be convicted of crimes. Okay. Um, so uh, possibly... Yeah, Ryan. Seen- God. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know about the law in 1859, you fucker? Sorry about that. I'm a little rusty. That's why we do this show. <laughs> And as a possible protection against him, um, a, a Mormon uh, territorial probate judge, uh, Elias Smith, arrest, arrested Young under a territorial warrant um, and, and hoped in, in possible hopes that this could have brought Young into a friendly, a friendly Mormon territorial co- uh, court as opposed to a federal court. Now, I've heard when he arrested him, he sent a telegram and it just it was a very quick telegram that just said, got him. Right. <laughs> we got him. <laughs> Oh God! I said mission accomplished. I've arrested Mormon Jesus. Um. So, but what happens is is that no federal charges are issued, and so Young is released. Um. And further investigation. No federal charges are issued either. They can't all be Mormons there. Yes, but you see what happens, Steve, is that in 1861 the American Civil War breaks out. Ah, yes, yes. Mm. Um. So investigations are cut short until 1871, um, when prosecutors obtained the affidavit of militia member Philip um, uh, Klingensmith. Uh, Klingensmith, who had been a bishop and blacksmith from Cedar City, by 1870s, however, uh, by the 1870s, however, he had left the church and moved to Nevada. Uh, Lee is arrested on November 7th, 1874. Oh wait, so they really did wait till the end of the Civil War to fucking go arrest this guy? Well, yeah, because they, they couldn't spare anybody because everybody's fighting the war. You go arrest him and be like, go fight for us, motherfucker. You're probably going to die. Go fight. 
Well, the the thing is, pick that, you like, up afterwards. If you live, we'll pick they, you up. They're 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 investigating everything, and they're like, well, we can't send the army out to investigate because they're too busy fighting, you know, the the war for the fate of the nation. Fuck it, send the Pinkertons. They were around. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably how everyone has sent the Pinkertons. By the way, fuck it, send the Pinkertons. Fuck it, <laughs> just fuck it, send the Pinkertons. We can't get. What do you want them to do? They're not. I they're don't not know. workers, Ryan. Them. They're not miners. We can't just unleash the Pinkertons. <laughs> Oh, and they're not like the, oh god, what was that guy that got shot by the Pinkerton detective when he was like protesting? I don't know, but Pinkerton Thugs is a good punk band. He sprayed one. He sprayed a Pinkerton detective with bear spray, and the Pinkerton just just aerated him in public. And then, oh yeah, that was recently. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. recently, and then just scot free, just like you're good. I was like, holy shit! Excuse me, uh, um, did you say it was recently? They're still yes. Pinkerton yeah, Thugs. Yeah, it was during it was during the. It was during the like. It was within the last five years. It was. We'll say. It was after. It was after BLM, and it was some far right guy, and the um, and the Pinkerton guy was actually working like security or whatever at the courthouse or wherever it was, and the uh, the chud like like fascist guy he bear sprayed him in the face, and so he he acted with like I, I guess you could say with appropriate force after being like bear sprayed and attacked by by some like lethal Nazi. force. There's photos of it. There's photos of this dude getting sprayed, and there's fo- it's, there's no video, but it's like I, it's all like I, timeline of photos of the dude getting sprayed, dude pulling his gun, and then homeboy just on the ground dead. It's insane. I, oh my well, he, god! And also too like. When when he shot him, it wasn't just like he, he like put his gun up to the guy's head. It was like he, he fired in self defense and it ended yeah. up killing the guy. Correct. Also, the dude was going to get taken out by fucking heart disease within a couple of years anyway. If you look at him, <laughs> like he was not, he could. There yeah, was no way he was in it, good health. He was on it, a minimum the, of four medications. In the uh, in the in the classic sense of like the uh, they're they're not said to be the best of the white race for the uh, listen for the, he, uh, for the for the white he, he was on a minimum of four medications and he had a maximum of nine toes tanks the diabetes okay he, th- th- this dude was not what we're gonna say in the best shape okay Di- um, diabetes <laughs> so so Lee is arrested on November seventh eighteen seventy four um, and, and soon afterwards Dame uh, Philip Klingensmith. Um, Elliot uh, Wilden and George Adair Jr. are indicted and arrested while warrants to pursue the arrest of four others who had gone into hiding are issued. The, the arrest for Height, Higby, William C. Stewart, and Samuel Jukes. You said um, Dame Philip Klingensmith? Is that is that person related to like the Dame Judy Dench or whatever? No, no. Dame's another guy. Ah. Like Sting. Uh, just one, one word name? Yeah. <laughs> No, Dame Judy D- Dame is like a is a a royal title, like is it? A, yeah, is that royalty? Yeah, like really? the queen. If, you know, you can't be knighted as a woman, so you're made like a I forget what it's called, but your the title is Dame. What is that? What it is? So if someone's a Dame, they've been effectively quote unquote knighted by the well queen. the 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 full name yeah. of the guy was William H Dame. D a n e like November Echo or Mike no, Echo. D a m e. Oh, Mike like Echo. Title. Mike okay, Mike Delta Echo. Alpha Mike Echo. Got it. I didn't know that though. Good enough. Uh, did you know that peppers, different colors, are just different stages of ripeness? Now you know. Bell they actually have the exact same thing. They have different flavors though, because of they the do, ripeness but level. they're just different levels of ripeness. It's all it is. It's the same. Yeah, it's the same yeah. with a lot of fruit too, and in vegetables. Yeah, like um, grapes are just. Ripe raisins. Did you know that? Okay, I need to stop, <laughs> I need to stop right the fuck now. 
You know, Steve, you're just coming off, you know, that propaganda from the California Great Council. California raisins. We're not Mormon and we feel fine. What? We, should do a, we should do an episode on the, the rise and fall of the California raisins. Why the <laughs> fuck not? Why not? I think it's um, historical. So after after oh, these four are, um, are four are brought into custody, uh, Kling and Smith is able to escape prosecution by agreeing to testify. Oh God! Um, Brigham Young also uh, removes some of the participants in the massacre, including Height and Lee, um, by excommunicating them from the LDS Church in 1870. Um, the United States government posted bounties of five thousand dollars, the equivalent of one hundred and seven thousand one hundred and forty-five dollars in today's money. Uh, each for the capture of Height, Higby, Stewart, and Klingensmith. Huh. Um, okay. Lee's, uh, Lee's trial began on July 23rd, 1875 um, in Beaver uh, before a jury of eight Mormons and four non-Mormons. Uh, Lee's defense attorney was Enos Mormon trial. Ho- Hodge, a-, a former Territorial Supreme Court Justice. Uh, the trial led to a hung jury on August 5th, 1875. You don't say. Uh, Lee's second trial began on September 13th, 1876, before an all-Mormon jury. Oh, I bet I know how this is going to end, now that it's all Mormons. <laughs> the, the prosecution called Daniel Wells, LeBon Morrill, Joel White, Samuel Knight, Samuel McMurdy, uh, Nephi Johnson, and Jacob Hamblin. Um, uh, Lee also stipulated, against advice of his counsel, that the prosecution be allowed to reuse the depositions of Young and Smith from the previous trial. Uh, Lee called no witnesses in his defense and was convicted. Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I did not see that coming. Jesus Christ, he's all Mormons. Yeah, but but remember, he's been um, he's been excommunicated from the church. Yeah, but still, they're all Mormons. They should be like, all right, listen, you know, like you were a Mormon. Like we still got your back. Like once Mormon, always Mormon well, type thing. Like, well, with these with these churches, when you're when you're kicked out of the church, you're effectively like dead. Like uh, like it's like. Man. It's like they they turn your back on you. They, so the, they turn their backs on you. Yeah, so the four non Mormons were probably saving his ass in the first trial. It's really bad what they do. I'm I'm not entirely sure of the proceedings, but I I I, I believe it was um it, it could have possibly been um just that the other jurors at that time felt felt more of a need to protect him. Um, but but the fact that this like all Mormon jury convicts him um doesn't seem that crazy to me, considering the fact that he's been excommunicated. Okay. Um. So, um, under Utah territorial statute, um, he gets to choose his method of execution from three options, which were hanging, firing squad, or decapitation. Um, Lee chose to be executed by firing squad. Smart man. Uh, Smart um, man. Instant. Instantaneous. Boom. Done. It's over. In the words before his, uh, his final words before his sentence was carried out at Mount Meadows on March 23rd, 1877, uh, Lee said that he was a scapegoat for the others who were involved in the massacre. Um, Brigham Young stated that Lee's fate was just, and it was not a sufficient blood atonement given the enormity of the crime. Uh oh. So who else so, got to go? So it seems like while while the things are still going on, it does seem likely that Lee. Another reason why he was finally convicted was that he was seen as like a scapegoat to uh, make the federal government happy. And that's why Brigham Young is like, we should we should all be happy about this. And, and to be honest, it wasn't enough to, to make up for the crime. Oh, okay, okay. I thought he was um, saying, like, now nah, more people have to die. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't enough. We gotta chop more heads. Let's not go. nearly enough death. 
Um, so Mormon a, Jesus a of, craves blood. <laughs> so a lot of the a lot of the reporting on what happened at Mountain Meadows um, it begins to initially come up in 1857. The the earliest reports uh, was in October 1857 in the Los Angeles Star. Um, a notable report on the incident was made in 1859 by Carlton, who we mentioned, who had been tasked by the army to investigate the incident and and bury the still exposed corpses at Mountain Meadows. The but they just period, left them out there like it was the Himalayas? Pretty yeah, much. Yeah, Jesus. What are you going to do? Yellow. Um, the, 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 first period, the first period of people uh, in the wider United States... This kid said, States, what are you going to do, YOLO, <laughs> about exposed leftover corpses from a massacre? What are you going to do, YOLO? Listen, they're outside a town that has a population of fucking six people and none of those people are grave diggers forensic examiners you don't know coroners, that you don't know that examiners <laughs> <laughs> they had uh nephi quincy was in that town <laughs> i say fuck it because at least the the local environment and the ecosystem has something to to eat i guess shit i don't fucking know they're dead already man i understand they- like bless the dead and don't desecrate the corpse but like they what are you going to fucking do? Barrier. What are you, you know, going to fucking do, man? There's 200 you know, these, of them. These hippy-dippy Gentiles, you know, they want these sky burials, so we just, like, just gave them what they wanted. I'm now sweet. 20 of them? Your hippy-dippy nah, weather, man. Where's all the hippy-dippy weather, man? Um, so, a lot of, like, public um, knowledge of the massacre doesn't really come out until 1872, after Klingon Smith is brought into custody and makes his confession um in in 1868 um though a a cv white had published an authentic history of brigham young which described uh the events from a mormon perspective mormon Um, perspective do 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 and in 1872 soon after the massacre mark twain also commented on it uh through uh through the lens of uh contemporary american opinion um, in the appendix of his semi-autobiographical travel book. Roughing it. I love roughing it. Um, in 1873, the massacre was given a full chapter in TBH uh, Stenhouse's Mormon History of the Rocky Mountain Saints. Um, the massacre itself also received international attention with various um, international and national newspapers also covering uh, John D. Lee's 1874 and 1877 trials, as well as his execution in 1877. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the massacre has been treated extensively by several historical works, beginning with Lee's own confession in 1877, expressing his opinion that George A. Smith was sent to southern Utah by Brigham Young to direct the massacre. Interesting. In, 19, in 1910, the massacre was the subject of a short, uh, short book by Josiah F. Gibbs, who also attributed responsibility for the massacre to Young and Smith. The first detailed and comprehensive work using modern historical methods was the Mountain Meadows Massacre, written in 1950 by Juanita Brooks, a Mormon scholar who lived near the area in southern Utah. Um, Brooks found no evidence of direct involvement by Brigham Young, but charged him with obstructing the investigation and provoking the attack through his rhetoric. I just, Um, okay, listen, I just, I don't understand why you're going to attack a wagon train of innocent fucking people just rolling through. It's not like they were heavily armed and coming right at you and all dudes. It was women and children with supplies that they were clearly driving well, through. Like they weren't well, stopping. One thing, well, one thing I will note is that a common practice the Mormons would do was that they would tell uh, wagon train people 
you know, that if they wanted to make it through the salt flats, they should lighten down their, their wagons in order to get through. And they would, they would do that to sort of like convince the, to convince the settlers to like, uh, throw away supplies that they would take. Okay. So, so they, they are, they, they, they sort of do have like a low key business of like stealing and scamming from the, from the non-Mormons who come through their territory. Um, so, so the idea that they would like, just like, just kill these people and then take all their things like is, is somewhat like them stealing all the stuff is like second nature to them. Shit tracks. It, so it tracks, but it's also like an insane like well, aggression well, we'll, or uptick we'll, we'll, from what we'll talk about. Yeah. We'll we'll get into that sort of like what what people today like sort of like what the consensus is on like why they did it and like why it happened because you know it's obvious that like when they brought it to Brigham Young, he wrote that like hey, you should just let him go. Because remember, they're only like they're only like forty miles from the border, so it's not like it's not like they're in the heart of their country going to do something. Um, so initially, the Mormon Church denied any involvement by Mormons and was relatively silent on the issue. Um, as I said in 1872, they excommunicated some of the participants for their role in the massacre. Um, and since then, the uh, Mormon Church has condemned the massacre and acknowledged involvement by some local Mormon leaders. In September of 2007, the, uh, the Mormon Church uh, published an article uh, marking 150 years since the tragedy occurred. Um, and obtained in its first, um, and also gave its first apology officially for the massacre. Um, as described by... 1957? 2007. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're talking like... 150 100 years after the massacres. Yeah. <sighs> Guys, there, not great. There, <laughs> not there's, great. There's also, there, there's also <laughs> some stuff with them trying to mess with like the memorial site. Um, and, and just sort of like like downplay some things and just sort of like control the narrative. Um, um, but as described by Richard E. Tur- Turley Jr., Ronald W. Walker, and Glenn M. Leonard, um, historians from different backgrounds, that there are different approaches to describe the massacre and those involved. Um, initially, it sort of falls under three sort of areas. Um, one is that the betrayal of the uh, perpetrators of the massacre, uh, the Mormon settlers, as fundamentally good, and the Baker-Fancher party is evil people who committed outrageous acts of anti-Mormon instigation prior to the massacre. There's also the opposite viewpoint, that the perpetrators uh, themselves were evil and that the settlers were innocent. Um, and there's also the, the sort of like the middle ground that both the perpetrators and victims of the massacre uh, were complicated and that many different coinciding circumstances led the Mormon settlers to commit an atrocity against these non-Mormon settlers who, regardless of the authenticity of any unfounded claims of anti-Mormon behavior, did not deserve the punishment of death. Um, Prior to 1985, many textbooks available within the Utah public school system blamed the Paiute people as the primary uh, party responsible for the massacre or placed equal blame on the Paiute and the Mormon settlers, um, if they even mentioned the massacre at all. Do we have any proof that they had anything to do with it? Like, specifically the Paiutes or them? Well, remember I said they tried to get them to do it, right? Um, and then the Paiute walked away. Right, right, right. But like, we, like, so they have nothing to do with this whatsoever that we have pretty, any evidence. Pretty much, okay. other than other than possibly being involved in like the initial, like sort of like fighting. Like soon, like they soon realize what's going on, and they realize also that the Mormons are trying to set them up because the Mormons are like dressing up as Native Americans, right? And, and then so they sort of put two and two together and realize that like they're going to have to take the fall for this when the federal government comes along. So okay. they're reluctant 
to get involved in it uh, for that factor as well. Right. Um, so there are a number of factors that, that sort of could have brought this one is the sort of the teachings of the Mormons. Um, so uh, a decade prior to the Baker Fancher Party's arrival there, uh, as I said, the Utah Territory existed as a, a theocratic democratic state led by Brigham Young. Um, and during the mid-1850s, uh, Young instituted a, a reformation of the Mormon church, um, which he said would lay the axe at the root of the tree of sin and inequity. That's why. Because um, that, that, remember, uh, I'm Brigham words. Young, because Brigham Young is not the designated really successor to the Mormon church. He, he sort of like takes control and, and sort of like um, claims that he's a successor. Um, originally, um, Joseph Smith had intended his son to be the successor. Yeah. Um, but his son, his son doesn't become the successor. He he ends up dying, I believe, in an insane asylum um, because he because uh, Joseph Smith's wife and son are, are sort of like run out of the church because they oppose Brigham Young after he like takes control. <laughs> okay. um, it's 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 sort of like an, it's sort of like an it's it's sort of like an Islam situation because of how um, what? Joseph Smith dies. <laughs> Where, where there's sort of like a break in, in sort of like, you know, because like in, in Islam, you have Shiites and Sunnis, and it's all about, well, who's the rightful successor so it's, it's like to a the prophet Muhammad? Schism. So there's a schism, and Brigham Young is the one that leads, like, there, there are other smaller schisms of Mormonism that aren't like the polygamous, like, fundamentalist uh, Latter-day Saints. Like, there's older ones that are more, um, that, that are somewhat different. Um, and uh, Emma and, and Joseph Smith's son tried to lead one of those uh, but it ends up failing. Um, and so Young, when he takes over, he begins sort of like reforming the church. Why did it fail, do we know? Or was it just kind of, meh, whatever, it's not really uh, interesting? Be- essentially because Young was the uh, was the more charismatic and better leader. More people followed him. Uh, people were not as willing to follow um, Emma and Joseph Smith's son. Um, so they, they just sort of go off into obscurity. So it's almost uh, like if, if, uh, if Don Jr. tried to take the reins of MAGA, kind of? Well, it, and it's also the fact too that like Brigham Young actually like like leads them, and and he was actually like a leader in the church before seizing. He wasn't just some guy who came along. Whereas like the other members of Smith's family um, weren't really that involved with it, other than his brother. And his brother, if I remember correctly, is killed with him mm-hmm. um, because uh, Joseph Smith and his brother are are shot to death in a jail cell in in Illinois by a mob. Is that how um, he is that how he gets got eventually? Yeah, that they that he's in jail and a lynch mob essentially comes into the jail and they they shoot him to death in his jail cell. Really? Yeah, so that's one of the reasons why like the succession in the Mormon uh, Church initially is not that like solid. It, it's because the guy who read it before didn't really get a chance to lay down whose successor was going to be. Um, oh and, and 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 JS would also like make up things on the fly too. He, he was very much one of those like, well, I'm going to talk to God. He would like, Wait, you're he telling would, me so, that a religious guy is making things up as he goes. Well, That's what you're telling well, me. I, I don't well, believe it. I think I, you're, well, a Steve, fucking, I, you're a dirty liar, dude. Because when I say that, what I, what I mean is that he would like go into a trance and he'd just be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, Again, well, I just, state, you're saying yes. that a religious leader is making things up on the fly. Dude, these are divinely but, inspired truths. Get with the program, all right? But but even more so than just guys <laughs> who are just like, all right, well, you know, God told me. He's just like, he puts on a little show. He's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Next right. thing you're going to tell me is that it's like, you know, that that he didn't know what he was talking about, about Christianity. I mean, like, he clearly did. Like, he was clearly a well-read individual well, well, Steve, who everyone he read the was gold okay plates. with. <laughs> he read the gold plates. He wrote the third book. 
the 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 book of Latter Day Saints. Look, people shot um, him in the jail because I have it. Yeah, I've read it. Yeah. It's excellent. It's great. It's right next to my Bhagavad Gita. I like it because it puts me to sleep at night when I read it. <laughs> it's a good bedtime book. Um, but uh, uh, one of the things Young says in January of 1856 that the government of God, as administered here, um, may be seen um, by some as being despotic. Because of judgment is dealt out against the transgression of the law of God, meaning that those who break the law of God are, are punished severely. Um, so, so he sort of like lays down the sort of like religious law and order sort of tendency that, that sort of leads his followers to believe that, you know, like, well, there can be divine justice for those that you feel wronged you. Um, and before these um, and before um, in the preceding decades as well, um, the Mormons, as I had mentioned, had gone through a period of intense persecution um, in the Midwest. Um, they were um, officially expelled from um, uh, the state of Missouri um, with an extermination order issued against them by Governor Boggs of the state during the 1838 Mormon War. Governor Wade um, Boggs. I swear to God, I was like, is his first name Wade? <laughs> <laughs> It's all we he can do, well, he Ryan. Was, That's all he, we can do is make jokes. He was he was opposed he was opposed to the Mormons, you know, because he held the record for drinking the most uh, beers on a wagon on a wagon trip on a and, wagon trip, know. yeah. <laughs> and that beer, Sam Adams, Boston's beer. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but but during this um, but but during this uh, battle and and. Um, in Utah as well, one of or in um, Missouri as well, uh, a prominent uh, Mormon apostle had also been killed in battle at David W. Patton. Um, so after uh, after this, the Mormons moved to Nauvoo, uh, Illinois, um, where uh, Joseph Smith and his brother Hyman uh, Smith or Hiram Smith. Okay, thank killed. you, thank you. <laughs> Which <laughs> is it, Steve? Hiram or Hyman? Which is it? Hyman. <laughs> <laughs> you really broke away from that Hyman quickly. Listen. Don't church it up there, Steve. Is it Hyman or is it Heine? <laughs> You're just doing the eye doctor thing all right now. Is it, is it Heine or Hyman? Is it one or two? Is it Heine or two? Yeah. One? Which one looks it's better? Different. One? Is it better two. now? Can you, can you do it again? Any better? Listen, you little shit. Hiram better? <laughs> Listen, motherfucker. It's the same goddamn thing. There's nothing wrong with either one of them. Um, but both brothers are, are killed, as I mentioned previously, in a, in a jail cell um, there in 1844. Um, so following these events, the faithful Mormons uh, migrate west, um, hoping to escape persecution. Um, in, in May of 1857, just months before Mount Meadows, uh, the Mount Meadows Massacre happens, um, Apostle uh, Parley uh, P. Pratt is shot dead in Arkansas by Hector McLean, uh, the estranged husband of Eleanor McLean Pratt, one of, uh, one of Pratt's plural wives. Uh, Parley Pratt and Eleanor entered into a celestial marriage, um, which is um, like you sort do. of like the, which is like the Mormon <laughs> um, marriage thing. What the um, fuck is a celestial marriage? Can you please tell me this? Essentially, that you are you are bonded to your wife in um, or your spouse um, in the material world as well as the the celestial realm, so that when you die, she'll be the eve of your planet that you that you get to have when you when you die. The Mormons get to have their own planets when they die. Yeah, that's that's like their heaven is that they become the god of their own planet. Wait, wait, you said their heaven was a tiered program. Like I had to yeah, subscribe it is a to nineteen ninety five a month for the absolute base tier where I get to live in the basement of heaven. 
Yeah, you don't get a planet. <laughs> okay, what does it cost me to, to get a planet? I, I, I imagine, <laughs> I imagine at your level, it's just like at the end of Superman two, and you're just in the, you're just trapped in the Phantom Zone, spinning <laughs> through space. I'm in a green screaming. screen prison. <laughs> They're just gonna put a, one of them like a fucking Oculus on my head and be like, "All right, this is your heaven. Enjoy. Have a nice day." <laughs> just leave me in a dark room until I die. Oh no. Um. But but the uh, dispute had broken out because Hector had refused to give Eleanor a divorce. Um, and he said, when she left San Francisco, she left Hector. And later she was um, she was to state in a court of law that she had left him as a wife the night he drove her uh, from their home. Whatever the legal situation, she thought of herself as an unmarried woman. She um, thought, okay, wait, wait, is this the same kind of thing as like, hey, uh, me and my girlfriend, or my girlfriend's in a relationship with me, but I'm single? Is it that kind of that kind of shit I just heard? <laughs> well, well, no, essentially what happens is she ran away from okay. her, from her okay. marriage. And then she, she, I guess she converts to Mormonism, and it's like I'm going to be this guy's like sister wife, and then, and then her former husband, who she's still legally married to, won't give her a divorce. Ah. And then when the when the guy who's like her, her like celestial husband, her, her her new husband comes around and is like, hey man, you need to give her a divorce. The the old husband just shoots him. What? Yeah, he said, don't talk about my wife. <laughs> yeah, he essentially refused to give her a divorce, and I guess what for whatever reason things broke down, and um, and Parley is killed. Um, but after Parley is killed, uh, Mormon leaders proclaim him as a martyr, uh, with Brigham Young stating, "Nothing has happened so hard to reconcile my mind uh, to since the death of Joseph." Um, speaking of Joseph Smith, um, so uh, because of this, uh, many Mormons hold the people of Arkansas collectively responsible for the death of this uh, Mormon apostle. Um, it was in accordance with Mormon policy to hold every Arkansan um, accountable for Pratt's death, just as every Missourian was hated because of the expulsion of the church from that state. Uh, Mormon leaders were also teaching that the uh, the rapture, the second coming of Jesus, was also imminent. Um, there are those now living upon day the now. Who, who will live to see the consummation, and we now bear witness... That his coming is near at hand. God, he's we are, coming. We are he's coming. Um, we are a so second now. He's going to come. He's going to come so, any second now. So, based on an ambiguous statement from Joseph Smith, uh, some Mormons believe that Jesus would return in 1891, and that God would soon exact punishment against the United States for persecuting Mormons and martyring Joseph Smith, Hiram Smith, uh, Patton, and Pratt. Um, in their endowment cer- uh, ceremony. Uh, faithful early Latter-day Saints also took an oath to pray that God would take vengeance against the murderers. Um, as a result of this, uh, them taking this oath, several Mormon apostles and other leaders considered it their religious duty to kill the murderers of their prophets if they ever came across them. Um, the sermons, blessings, and private counsel by Mormon leaders just before the Mount Meadows massacre can be understood as encouraging private individuals to exact God's judgment against the wicked. Hmm. Like you do. Um, Like one does. In Cedar City as well, um, the church leaders there were particularly strident in these beliefs. Um, Mormons there were also taught that members should ignore dead bodies um, and go about their business. Um, Colonel W.H. Dame, who was the ranking officer in southern Utah at that time, um, and also who ordered the Mountain Meadows Massacre, received a patriarchal blessing in 1854 that he could, quote-unquote, be called to act at the head of of a portion of thy brethren and of the Lamanites 
in the redemption of Zion and the avenging of the blood of the prophets upon them that dwell on the earth. I just heard a fuckload of words that I've heard in a lot of different conspiracy theories in my life in that just sentence you just used. Those are a lot of Zion, words. Zion. Yeah, well, between Zion We have to understand for them, um, Utah is Zion. Did they... Because, you know, generally when people refer to Zion, they're referring to, like, Israel. Israel, yes. But but within, like, the Mormon teachings, they consider, um, they, they consider like, Utah to be their Zion. They're, like, new, um, they're, like, their new holy land. There is no fucking way that they would have just chosen fucking Salt Lake City, Utah as a holy land. I believe that that went in the wrong, that, that happened in the wrong order. They got there, they were like... Fuck, How else do you? Right, this is it. Well, How is else it? Be, do you I'm explain? I'm gonna be honest with you, Ryan. Is, Israel's also kind of a kind of a dumpy place. I, I, listen, I didn't look at it. Look at it. Look at We are like, talking specifically about Utah. We could have a whole episode about Zionism regarding Israel. Trust me. But right now, <laughs> we're talking about these assholes picking Salt Lake City, Utah, and Zion. Bro, I would have picked fucking goddamn Columbus, Ohio, over fucking Salt Lake City. It would be it would be hilarious if they had birthright tours for for young Mormons to go to Salt Lake City. <laughs> they throw up on the Salt Lake City Transit. <laughs> it's gonna take you around the city. Oh my god! This is birthright. <laughs> you get free A or B and B stays. In um, in June of 1857, uh, Philip uh, Philip Klingensmith um, was uh, similarly blessed that he could quote unquote participate in avenging the blood of Brother Joseph. Um, and and too well, um, historians argue that in, the Mormons in Southern Utah would have also been particularly affected by the rumors that the Baker Fancher Party train had been joined by a group of eleven miners and plainsmen who called themselves the Missouri Wildcats, um, some of whom uh, reportedly taunted, vandalized, and caused trouble for Mormons and Native Americans along the route. Again, if you were a God-fearing Christian, includes Mormons. Well, well, you see, Ryan, this is this is like the 1857 equivalent of like the knockout game. Forgiveness, like, forgiveness. Like Ryan, you see these these kids are going to come to your door. They're going to say they're selling candy. <laughs> they have this special powder. They'll blow in your face. And then you're human trafficked. <laughs> um, right in front of the so, publics. Oh and, god. And some of and some of the rumors also claimed that um, that some of these uh, quote unquote Missouri Wildcats uh, claimed that they had the gun that quote unquote shot the guts out of old Joe Smith. This um, here's it. Were, what is this? Supernatural? This is the weapon right here. I, I find it. I find it kind of funny because the Winchesters like the Mormons, have Joseph Smith's murder weapon. Because the the Mormons kind of hold uh, like Joseph Smith to be like the like he's the center of their religion. Like he's the most important guy. But I, I kind of feel like to the average Missourian who wasn't from the area they were in, what about God? Would have been like they just would have been like who? Yeah. Um. I would. I would argue. That while God and, and Jesus stuff is is important, I would say Joseph Smith is like the most important because like it, it sort of goes into a thing as well that um, that there's an argument that Mormons aren't really like Christians because um, what because what? because Mormons don't actually believe in like a in um, the the what should we call it the, uh, the the triune the uh, the whole the Father the, Trin- the, Holy the Trinity the, the Holy Trinity yeah, yeah. yeah. that they, they they don't believe that that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are are one and the same, that they believe that they're like individually different. That that more that that God is a different entity from Jesus, 
and the, that they're all sort of people. Same with like the the devil. Doesn't like, that make you Christian, but like a like an offshoot branch of Christianity? Well, You're special. Well, Christ. Well, there's, it's it's like a I would I would call it heretical uh, to most Christian uh, churches because most Christian churches sort of say that like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all one and the same, right? And that you can't be a Christian unless you believe that. And there there's some debates as like like there's like sort of like a percentages debate. That, that sort of goes on with some like evangelical churches of like how much like how human was Jesus say it again and, bitch like, I come in the name of Jesus <laughs> repeat after but, me bitch I love that but, like for instance like the like the orthodox one of the uh, oldest church. memes the, the ghetto preacher on YouTube yeah but the uh, the, the orthodox church essentially believes uh, from last I remember reading that like it, it's like a hundred all the way on both that, that it's not like they're, they're not really taking like a perspective that that like both are like one in the same uh-huh. so to most like christian uh denominations mormons would not be uh like christian by their by their beliefs by definition they would be just like heretical christians uh, essentially because they're they're not ascribing um because because like jesus is somewhat like a supernatural entity like if you've watched because they still recognize jesus they're not recognizing muhammad they're not recognizing any any anything like from the other you know well yeah they're only they're only recognizing they're only recognizing uh, figures from the christian canon right but but they're sort of like reinterpreting them in a very like weird 19th century uh spiritualist way okay um and and that like if you watch like the mormon jesus cartoon as much as we joke about it like the unedited one where they go in and like what they what they like actually believe in about how like Jesus is like his own like like sort of like godlike entity and God is its own godlike entity and like the devil was one of them and like the endless celestial sex and stuff like that like that's all like the core beliefs in Mormonism but Mormonism is a mystery cult in the sense that they're they're like tears of being inducted into Mormonism and there's a lot of rituals involved because Mormonism heavily borrows from um freemasonry right and like and like within the mormon church you're forbidden as a mormon from joining the freemasons and one of the reasons for that is you're going to see that they like copied the notes from the freemasons for like half the church rituals (laughs) (laughs) i mean so how common is that knowledge to uh uh members of the church though well do they know is it like an open secret that they know that their religion's kind of like the fucking cliff notes of you know well the thing about that is is that it, it sort of goes back to that, like, it's not as, like, I wouldn't say it's as far out there as people claim, like, well, you know, dinosaur bones are just put here by the devil to tempt you to, to not believing. And, like, but but it's one of those things of, like, well, you have to listen to the church elders. If you have any doubts about anything that's going on in the church and it's on something that you're, you're told you can talk about it, you need to put it on the shelf, as they call it. Like, right. you need to put that aside. Maybe a table and maybe, that discussion. Yeah, one one day, one day they might you might be able we'll to talk We'll circle about around, that. but for now we're going to table that, and we'll get back to it. We're going to circle back around in a few weeks, maybe. We can catch back up, and, you know, we use a whole, whole bunch of, you know, but, corporate jargon. But, like, one of the like one of the things is that you can't question, like, church leadership, and you're not allowed to ask questions. So, so a lot of people, when that stuff comes up, um, in, in sort of the same way it is, like, with Scientology, is that like people just like they're like well I'm not going to listen to you because you're not from my religion and you're obviously you know you want to damage my religion so why would I want to listen to you? I mean it's um, the same thing in Catholicism though uh, the the priest is supposed to be your one stop shop this is this is you know the line ends here this is who you listen to yeah but and but they the don't Catholic- take 
kindly to asking questions because that's why I was kicked out of Sunday school more than once was asking why I have to go to confessional if that's not God and God according to the but, Bible tells but, me to speak to but you have correctly. to you have to remember too that like the Catholic Church has like mellowed out in the last like thousand couple thousand okay years. yeah to be fair and, this was like you know 20 something years ago where they were still kind of uptight and, assholes and and that like you can you can be a Catholic and be like well you know I don't agree with everything the church says and the priests and like and like most Catholic priests will just be like <laughs> They'll just sort of like shrug their shoulders, like, "Well, I wish you'd reconsider," or like, or like, even if you're like, "Well, I have nothing wrong with gay people," and the priest who's probably gay is like, "Yeah, yeah, that's cool." The priest, like, um, thank God, oh, thank fucking God. <laughs> All right, thank God. I forget who it was who it was. So there was a, a, he he was gay, and his mother went to the Catholic, went, went to the priest, and he was like, "Well, I don't know what to do. My son's gay, or whatever." The priest is like, "Ma'am, I'm gay." <laughs> Jesus. Like, ma'am, who gives a shit? Um, because the Catholic Church. Uh, not not to get into a digression, but the Catholic Church says that all sex is sinful, so they kind of put homosexuality and heterosexuality in the same camp of, like, you shouldn't be fucking <laughs> if it's ought to create, like, a child. Well, you don't. That is the most wild shit to me, that they will literally stand there with a straight face and be like, don't have sex unless you're trying to have a kid, while the priests are off, like, literally molesting children. It's and the nuns everyone, are Everyone you know in any position of authority is a hypocrite. It's, the- it's just wild to me. And then, like, you'll have people who... Who, who can recognize what is actually going on, but can still totally just be like, "No, that's fine. This is but, this is this is fine. Just listen to the, listen to the, listen to the church. Do what they tell you to do." But the thing with Mormonism is, is that it's still very much a, a tiered and sort of like closed system. Like, like we couldn't go into like a Mormon church. Like, like we could not. Like, I can like uh, like I can walk into a Catholic church being someone who was like baptized like Lutheran. I can like walk into a Catholic church and like wander around and like touch shit. But like. Like a Mormon church, like none of us would be allowed to go beyond like like the coat room, essentially. Um, really, and you can't just walk in. Yeah, you can't just walk in, and like there, like there are different like rooms that people have access to, and like the way things are done, it's very much like if you get in trouble with the leadership, it's almost like you got tr- got in trouble at like work or at school or whatever, like where you have to like sit down with like the church leader and they they like give you a talking to and tell you to like get your shit together. <laughs> I would never last. I would last six business minutes and they'd be kicked I, out. <laughs> one thing I think that's interesting that that I, I read recently that someone brought up is that there are no um, that there are no incels in 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 Mormonism, and and it's because like essentially they they want everybody to like get married and start pumping out kids as soon as possible. So it's it's pretty much impossible for you not to get married as a Mormon <laughs> unless you're actively trying not to be. Also, everybody's an incel until they're married anyway. Because well, no, what I say, to be celibate until they're well, married. Well, when I say when I say incel, I mean like posting online about it. Like, uh, okay, <laughs> I got you. But also, we're talking about the same people that have uh, the fucking soaking and bounce buddies and shit. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking about the the original, the OG uh, well, yeah, rules that's, lawyering that's, religion. <laughs> but that's that's also like my my high school friend's a Catholic, devout Catholic girlfriend who who felt that anal sex was sort of a blind spot in the. Uh, premarital sex i'm gonna tell you right now raised catholic that was not a uncommon uh opinion you can do it there you just can't do it in the other way because the other way is real sex it's like wait what um what <laughs> okay all right so uh and and to add to sort of like before the digression that we talked about how there's this sort of like hysteria around the party um that there, there was also um rumors that the party was from arkansas uh where pratt had been murdered um and it was also rumored that pratt's wife 
um, had had claimed to have recognized some of the Mountain Meadows party as being some part of the gang that had shot and stabbed her her husband. Wait, say that again. Break that down remember, for me. Because because remember the guy that we said that the the Mormon apostle who went to like get his um to to try to get the guy to divorce his, right, his wife. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that that they were rumored that. That they were saying that um, that other people were involved in the murder and that they were in the wagon train. Oh, uh, okay. Um, uh, another another sort of uh, line of thinking as to why this happened, that there was sort of a, a, a kind of war hysteria that had broken out in Utah during this period right before the Utah War. Um, so, in because of in 1857 that the United States Army had de- been deployed in Utah Territory... Uh, even though their arrival was peaceful, um, uh, Mormons expected like a, a sort of like an apocalyptic invasion of their territory. Um, so from July to September of 1857, uh, Mormon leaders and, and other uh, Mormon followers prepared for the siege, as I mentioned, um, and and they believed that it, it, that it could have ended up as something akin to like uh, uh, bleeding Kansas, which was going on at that time there. That, that it could have the same turned time into what. What? Kansas? Yeah. That was the same time period? Yeah, because it's like the eighteen the eighteen fifties. Oh yeah, okay. All right. So so there's sort of this belief because cause bleeding Kansas just sort of like bleeds into the Civil War and, and it just like becomes like sort of like this guerrilla war of like just, just people killing people, you know, like Right. Um, I don't just, know. Just I have sport. no idea what bleeding Kansas is. Never heard of it. Before. Essentially essentially what it starts out as is that there's this sort of like debate and vote as to whether or not Kansas will be a slave state or a or a free state. Mm-hmm. Um, and people from both parties become involved, and people start moving to the state to flip it. Um, and abolitionists and and um, and and slave um, and slave owners and, and supporters of slavery they begin uh, literally fighting, um, sort of like guerrilla wars against each other and massacring people and mutilating people. Like John Brown uh, got his start fighting in Bleeding Kansas, um, where he hacked together or he hacked apart um, several. Um, uh, pro-slavery people with an axe. Mm. I still, <laughs> God damn it! I need to find it. I talked about this the other day. I have a John Brown uh, Gun Club T-shirt. I am dying to find out where it is. Cause I haven't seen it in a while, but yeah, I have to. I have to wear that one day and just kind of walk around town, see what happens, see how many people actually know what that is. So, so they're 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 expecting like Red Dawn, like they're expecting a full like foreign invasion of their territory where they're going to have to fight a guerrilla war, a protracted guerrilla war against like the federal government. Wow. Um, so uh, Mormons, and this is also common today too. Uh, Mormons uh, were required to stockpile grain, um, and they were also um, they were also told not to sell grain um, to to people traveling through um, uh, through the territory um, for use as cattle feed. Because um, they're essentially like, we we need this. If there's a siege, you, you can't be selling this off to other people. And and Mormons today are also expected to like have like a stockpile, like a like sort of like a go bag and like prepper like type type setup that that if really? they need to like yeah if they need to like hold out. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, also, um, Mormons also have like the worst like spyware on their computers too to make sure that they're not like going to visit sites that they shouldn't be. It's something like that. It takes a picture of your computer like every thirty seconds. Yeah. They, yeah. And and I think Steve said he's encountered that in his work. Oh. Um, yeah. It's not just a Mormon thing too, um, but there there is like a software that will like. Take take pictures of your your computer like every so many minutes to ensure that you're not you know jacking it. Yeah, it's not just a Mormon. It thing? does it like... does more than that. No, it's just a general Christian thing. It's a it's a Christian thing. 
There's a there's oh. also some some uh, what's it called um, uh, non Christian like non religious ones too, like the nofap people on Reddit. Yeah, those weirdos, fucking wackos. Um, dude. I, bro, but, just just jerk your dick and be happy, man. Like well, I don't they, get, so like it, it's an, it's like just one of those things that starts with the the oh, core premise that is probably God. right. There is definitely too much porn on the internet, and it is too easy to get to. Well, but like, well, there's, and, and, there's people, also a, and it's an addictive uh, activity and all that other stuff. So I get that, but like they go so crazy. They go nuts, dude. Yeah, that is that is indicative of somebody that needs intense therapy. That doesn't. Yeah, you mean should probably get some therapy. You're David Duchovny. Is uh, you're, you're sex. I think Catch Twenty Two there too is that it is very difficult to get therapy at a reasonable like price. Yeah, it's just difficult. Like it's it's and, not and easy. People make it seem and like now you we're going to throw this to today's advertiser Talkspace, <laughs> where for just nine. Yeah, people <laughs> people make it seem like you can just like it's covered by your insurance and you can just call the call the doctor and, and go talk to a therapist, but generally you can't. And it doesn't help that like ninety nine percent of of rehab is is a scam. It is a it is a mm. it is a it is mostly a scam industry that is set up to essentially not not help people. Let's not use uh, the number ninety nine. <laughs> well, it is it is it's the bad vast number. majority. The vast majority of rehab places. I'll take what you are, say with a grain of salt. I mean, there's no, definitely no, he, Steve, 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 there's Steve, definitely a lot of bad about, rehab. He's not talking about he's not talking about like psych rehab. He's talking about like drug and alcohol rehab. Yeah, I'm talking about like like people are like, well, I'm addicted to sex, and it's like we need to go to rehab. And the, the same is true with drug and alcohol rehab. He's talking and about that, like, like passages of Malibu, not like your local therapist, because your local like, therapist is doing yeah, the like because like one of the reasons why it doesn't work is that because they're very much opposed to like actually doing things that are going to like prevent people from from like doing their habits um and it's just sort of like yeah you got to go cold turkey and that's the only thing you can do um and then uh, the vast majority of them here in the state of florida are, are mostly just like scams where they just collect money and then it's just a revolving door of like people are allowed to leave and do whatever they want hmm. yeah and i mean it's easy to get somebody to go cold like, turkey if you're locking them in a room but then the second you leave rehab and you have no support system anymore you're going to fall right back into that pit so it's a revolving door for the quote-unquote rehab industry to have just this you know capitalism baby clients that are coming in yeah that's that, that's essentially what i'm getting at it's it's not the it's not that i'm saying that like rehab is impossible I'm just saying that, and for the most part of the United States, that like rehab has become sort of like an industry that's almost like a scam in that, um, depending on how much money you spend, it's essentially like a resort where you can't do uh, drugs at the most expensive part, but it's not actually uh, working to uh, to like prevent you from like getting back into the habit again, really. Um, it's not so, examining why you're addicted. It's just yeah, making you stop doing them. And, and there's a lot of steps too that they're generally opposed to that that could actually help that they do in like Europe and places like that. Like there's certain medications that can be used, but they they refuse to uh, give them to people for, for not really any clear reasons. Why? Uh, okay. Right. But mostly because they they go against the sort of ethos that you have to like you have to stop completely in order to break it. Like, yeah, like but there are drugs that are physically addictive that will kill you if you just go cold turkey. But but like for instance with like alcohol, there there's a drug that makes it so that it it decreases the efficacy of alcohol and sort of like giving you getting you drunk. Yeah, Jake the it's Snake. Not, Jake the Snake's on it. Well, he's, it, well no, he's no, no. On, is it is it the antivert or is it something else besides antivert? It's, it's different than the one that makes you sick. Okay, okay. It's it's different than the one that makes you sick, and that's why they're that's like one of the reasons why they're opposed to it. Because like, well, you can still you can still enjoy it, um, but but it's also like the the thing I heard. I don't know if it's true, but like. 
in in France that they at at AA they they serve wine. Um, Bro, French people serve wine with fucking <laughs> breakfast. Okay, like I fully expect them to give wine at AA. I would find it incredibly weird if they did not give wine at AA. But um, so, as I said, the the Mormons, as they're required to to sort of prepare, um, they're they're also becoming more insular. So Parowan and Cedar City are becoming uh, more isolated um, and vulnerable um, as the communities around them, um, either the, the smaller homesteads are sort of like closing up and, and like going to other communities to like to like wait out the siege. Um, they're, they're becoming more isolated. Um, and Brigham Young had also sought to enlist the local Native American tribes um, in fighting the quote unquote Americans, um, encouraging them um, to steal cattle. Um, from settlers who came through the territory and also joined Mormons in fighting the approaching United States Army. Um, so uh, scholars have also uh, asserted that George A. Smith's tour of southern Utah influenced the decision to attack and destroy the, the Fancher train uh, near Mountain Meadows. Um, he met with many of the eventual participants in the massacre, including, uh, including W.H. Dame, Isaac Height, John D. Lee, uh, Chief Jackson, um, and who was the leader of the uh, the local band of Paiutes who, who initially participated in the siege. No. Um, so he, not he, not note, he noted that the militia was organized and ready to fight, and that some of them were eager to, quote-unquote, fight and take vengeance for the cruelties that had been inflicted upon us in the states. Um, among Smith's party were a number of Paiute Native American chiefs, as well from the Mountain Meadows area. Uh, when Smith returned to Salt Lake City, uh, Brigham Young met with these leaders on September 1st, 1857, and encouraged them to fight against the Americans in the coming clash with the U.S. Army. They were also offered all of the livestock that on the road to California, which included the belongings of the Baker Fancher Party. The Native American chiefs were reluctant, though, and at least one objected, as they had been previously told not to steal and decline the offer. <laughs> what? <laughs> What? <laughs> we can't steal, but we can murder whole cloth. <laughs> well, no, the, the Native Americans who didn't murder, they're, they're just like, well, we, we were told in the past that we shouldn't steal from them, so we're, we're not going to do that. Oh, okay. All right, okay, okay. So these are, these, they're, essentially, they're essentially trying to goad the Native Americans into fighting for them. Right, right, he's right. He's like, well, you can, you can take all the stuff, you, you, you can keep all the stuff you take. And he's like, well, we were, we were told in the past that we shouldn't. What do I got so to do to put you in this battle? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I got this brand new musket. It's got your name on it. What do I got to do today to get this in your hands and get start shooting people? Hmm? <laughs> you can you can either take what's in the wagon train or what's behind the curtain. <laughs> Listen, I got a set of authentic plates, the original OG gold plates from John Smith. What can I Listen, what do I got to do? Listen. I can, I can I can give you these. Just pick up the musket. Look, Let's go these were in his mouth, all right? <laughs> um so there's generally consensus, too, that Brigham Young played a role in provoking the massacre, um, at least in, in an unwitting sense, um, and that also that he did help conceal evidence um, involving uh, evidence of the Mormons' involvement in the massacre after the fact. Um, however, there's still a big debate if uh, Young knew about the planned massacre ahead of time um, and, whether he, um, and whether he initially condoned it um, before later taking a strong public stand against it. If you tell me uh, that Brigham Young had no knowledge of it, that's like saying that Stringer Bell had no knowledge well, of a massacre that happened in his part of Baltimore. Well, we have to remember that they're like they're three hundred, they're three hundred, they're three hundred miles away from him. 
and the guy that the guy that asked him for like what they should do didn't get to them and didn't get to him until the day of the massacre. Mm-hmm. So so they had been in a standoff um, around the time that he had left, and then by the time that he had he had gotten there, like the deed was done. And then because remember, young whether or not I, I, I there doesn't seem to be much debate as to whether or not the letter he gave was made after the fact or at that time. I'm assuming the the general assumption is that he actually did make the letter at the time that, that said essentially just to let them go. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so because like I said, he he had no idea that the massacre was going to happen, um, though he did know that there were troubles. Which is a very Stringer Bell move. Hey man, let them people go. They had nothing to do with shit. Let them roll through. The civilians. <laughs> <laughs> but then he taxpayers. But then he 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 tried to kill somebody on a Sunday, bro. He broke the Sunday truce. Yeah. He messed up her church hat. Yeah. Um, so Young, as, as stated before, you know, he's using this very inflammatory and violent language um, in response to the federal government's expedition into Utah, which would sort of creates the tense atmosphere that precedes the massacre. Um, following the massacre as well, um, Young stated in public forums that God had taken vengeance on the Baker-Fancher party. Um, it is unclear whether Young held this view because he believed that this specific group posed an actual threat to the colonists, or because he believed that the group was directly responsible for past crimes against Mormons. Um, What's more likely? In Young's only known correspondence prior to the massacre, he told the church leaders in Cedar City, in regard to the immigration trains passing through our settlements, we must not interfere with them until they are first notified to keep away. You must not meddle with them. The Indians we expect to do as they please, but you should try and preserve good feelings with them. There are no other trains going south that I know of. Those who are there will leave. Let let them go in peace. Well, um, according to a histori- uh, according to an historian, uh, McKinnon, um, after the Utah War, U.S. President James Buchanan implied that face to face communications with Brigham Young might have averted the conflict, and Young argued that a north south telegraph line in Utah could have prevented the Mountain Meadows massacre. Um, Mc- McKinnon suggests that hostilities could have been avoided if Young had traveled east to Washington, D.C. to resolve governmental problems instead of taking a five-week trip north on the eve of the Utah War for church-related reasons. Um, a, a modern forensic church assessment... related reasons. Um, a modern forensic assessment of a key affidavit reportedly given by William Edwards in 1924... Um, has complicated the debate on complicity of senior Mormon uh, leadership in the Mountain Meadows Massacre. Um, Although analysis indicates that Edward's signature uh, may have been traced and that the typeset belonged to a typewriter manufacturer in the 1950s. Um, The Utah Historical Society, which maintains the document in its archives, acknowledges a possible connection to Mark Hoffman. Um, You might have heard of Mark Hoffman before. Um, He's in the Netflix documentary series Murder Among the Mormons. He is a convicted forger and extortionist and a go-between uh, for Lynn Jacobs, who provided the society with the document. Wow. Have not um, heard of this man. Yeah, I've never heard of him. He, he, had, um, he was a prolific forger of, of Mormon um, documents, mm. um, and that eventually it started to catch up with him, um, and, and he tried to blow some people up to hide his tracks. <laughs> um, and, and he ended up sharing a jail cell with the... Um, with, with the brothers from um, <laughs> Under the Banner of Heaven, the, the murderers. I thought you said 
I thought you said he tried to blow some people to cover his tracks. <laughs> yeah, he, he tried to, he he tried to he's like, I'll, some people. I'll suck all your dicks. I'll suck them all. Just don't tell on me. Oh my God. <laughs> he just he thought, he cut out he on my Jay. end like the perfect, <laughs> like the perfect <laughs> instant where I was like, wait, he said what? He did, he did what? He's not Jay of Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> he's, <laughs> like, not, uh, he's not no, Lorraine he's not Caluso the from uh, The Sopranos. No, I'll suck the your dicks from the Fire all of Island documentary. <laughs> the, the older guy from the Fire Island documentary, he was like, I did what I had to do for a friend. Oh, like, yeah, wait, that I, guy. Jesus. Like, you did what? Yeah, that. I got a lot of good we friends. We were watching I, I don't that know how much shit. I'm for them. And I could not fucking believe that that was said. Like, it was a shock. I was like, are you serious? Bro, he didn't give a shit either. He, was just, he just said it like it was nothing. He just, yep. Yeah, what? Yeah, I had to help my friend out. Yeah, take one to the chest, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> wait, wait, what? Look, I was <laughs> hungry. <laughs> There was some meat. <laughs> Listen, everybody um, else far- is getting cheese sandwiches. What do you think? I wanted a hot meal, okay? <laughs> um, as far as uh, monuments uh, to the victims of the Mount Meadows Massacre, uh, the first monument uh, was constructed two years after the massacre by Major Carlton and the U.S. Army. Um, this was the simple uh, pile of stones uh, built, um, built over the gravesite of 34 of the victims, and was topped with a large cedar cross. Um, the monument was found destroyed, um, and the structure was replaced by the U.S. Army in 1864. Um, uh, by some reports, the monument was destroyed in 1861 um, when Young uh, brought an entourage to Mountain Meadows to inspect the site. Uh, Wilf- Wilfred, uh, Wilford uh, Woodruff, um, who later became president of the church, Claimed that upon le- uh, reading the inscription of the cross, which read, Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord, I shall repay, Young responded, It should be vengeance is mine, and I have taken a little. Hmm. Um, Interesting. In 1932, residents of the surrounding area constructed a memorial wall around the remnants of the monument. Um, what what exactly is the monument? Just a cr- like, like a cross? Or just, just that pile of stones there. And um, But in uh, 1988, the Mountain Meadows Association, uh, composed of descendants of both the Baker Fancher Party victims and the Mormon participants, designed a new monument in the meadows. Uh, this monument was completed in 1990. It is maintained by the Utah State Division of Parks and Recreation. So there's um, there's a current monument there that's maintained then. Yes, yes. There's an actual like modern like maintained monument. Hmm. Um, in 1999, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints replaced. The U.S. Army's Cairn and the 1932 Memorial Wall for the second monument, which it now maintains. Um, in August 1999, when the LDS Church's construction of the 199 monument had started, the remains of at least 28 massacre victims were dug up by a backhoe. The forensic evidence showed that the remains of the males had been shot by firearms at close range, and the remains of women and children showed evidence of blunt force trauma. Why would you do them worse than you did the men? Why wouldn't you just give them a bullet too? You know what I mean? Why make them suffer? Ah. I guess I guess they wanted to conserve ammunition, and it was easier, I guess, to to just like beat them to death. You think it's easier, Stephen? Well, I mean- Stephen, <laughs> you think it's e- okay? All right. <laughs> I think conserve ammunition, probably. Yeah. Probably I don't know about ammunition. easier, my friend. Uh, it's definitely harder to beat a man. Well, if you're not shooting them, I, I guess like I'm pretty sure that there's um there's probably events in human history that could tell hey, us. Hey, uh, have you seen Have you seen the last of the Mohicans? You can do a lot with a rifle butt. Oh God. 
1955, um, a, a monument was constructed in the square of Harrison, Arkansas, to memorialize the victims. Um, one side of the monument is a map and a short summary of the massacre, while the opposite side contains a list of the victims. Um, in 2005, a replica of the U.S. Army's 1859 cairn was built in the community of uh, Carleton, Arkansas, uh, which is the former county seat of Carroll County, Arkansas. Um, that one is maintained by the Mountain Meadows Monument Foundation. In 2007, on the 150th anniversary of the massacre, was remembered by a ceremony held in the Meadows. Approximately 400 people, including many descendants of those slain in Mountain Meadows, and Elder Henry B. Earing of the LDS's Church's Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, attended the ceremony. In, in 2011, the site was designated as a National Historic Landmark after joint efforts by descendants of those killed in the LDS Church. In 2014, archaeologist Everett Bassett discovered two rock piles he believes mark additional graves. The locations of the possible graves are on private land and not any of the monument sites owned by the LDS Church. The Mountain Meadows Monument Foundation has expressed their desire that the sites are conserved and given national monument status. Um, other descendant groups have been more hesitant in accepting the sites as legitimate grave markers. They've been hesitant to accept them as grave markers? Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure why. I think it's mainly because of the, the cost of like maintaining the sites and that they would have to probably buy the land from the private owners. Okay. Yeah. Was there any desire to like actually like dig there and see if there were well, remains, or are they just well, they being can't, like, oh, there's piles, so well they can't do so until they buy the land. Why can't the private owner be like, yeah, sure, you can do it? Well, because you know it's like it's probably some asshole like cattle guy who's like, you're not gonna dig on my land. <clears throat> no, theoretically, if they were like, hey, like we want to dig a little bit, like we think there's dead people back there, we just want to double check and make sure. Well, if he one, said, yeah, sure, go for it, they could, I'm, right? I'm gonna be honest with you, considering the people I've met from out there. <laughs> They're probably pissed off the fact that there's like a there's like a government maintained like monument that close to their land because they're just like there's like all this land should be ours. The Bureau of Land Management is the the greatest the greatest tyrannical force that exists in this world. Yeah, <laughs> you can say about the BLMs, okay? Yeah. There are yeah, no like, good BLMs. <laughs> I like a BLT though. Mm. <laughs> Put a little bit of a beefsteak tomato. You got a little bit of salt mm-hmm. on the top of that beefsteak tomato. Make sure your, your lettuce is iceberg yeah. and it's crispy. I like it crispy like the bacon. Super crispy like the bacon. You, you get that peppered bacon. It's even a little bit better on a Kaiser roll. And that bad boy just squished down. Mm, mm, hit just right. <laughs> you really ran with my BLT joke there. <laughs> This is brought to you by Duke's Mayonnaise. <laughs> Ew, fuck no. We're a Hellman's podcast, bro. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, whoa. that's right. We, all right, we're going to cut this here. we got to discuss this. <laughs> <laughs> and the other Steve won't be joining us anymore. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> he says he doesn't like mayonnaise, so he's out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not true. <laughs> I'm like that guy. Like My buddy doesn't like mayonnaise, and when I'm at his house sometimes, I'll just eat a spoonful of mayonnaise just to make him gross out. Oh, God damn it. And I like it, too. Love it. Also, mayonnaise is, like, the secretly the most caloric thing on Earth. Like, if you ever looked into... (laughs) Like, I asked my wife, I'm like, how much mayonnaise is in this? And she's like, a cup? And I'm like, that's 1,100 calories. (laughs) It's like the most calorie-dense food you could buy. It's, it's like, mostly fat, isn't it? Yeah, it's mostly fat, yeah. It's literally eggs, oil, and vinegar. That's what mayonnaise is, and a little bit of salt. I love seed oil. It's my favorite. That's it. Eggs, oil, vinegar, and salt. Uh, 
So that was the the story of the Mountain Meadows massacre. So basically, they they freaked out and murdered like 150 plus people because they thought they might be invading their their land. Get off my land! Yeah, and, and most of, and only um, <laughs> only like only one person was really punished. Nobody, and they basically yeah, so they basically got away with it. Oh Cause, my! Because one guy essentially took the fall and got executed. <laughs> That's on me, guys. That's on me. <laughs> it's like a no, foul, right, like a foul in the NBA where he's just like, ah, it's just me. That was me. He just throws his hands like, all right, sorry, sorry. I got, yep, I'll take that one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jesus, I fucked up. What a fu- what? And did that guy get? Uh, uh, he took the firing squad. He was firing yeah, squad. He went the firing uh, okay, squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He at least went the like I said. He at least went the smart route between what the squad, the hanging, and the decapitation. He at least took the smart way as the firing squad. Unless you got some fucking jackass who's just totally inaccurate or purposely inaccurate, <laughs> and then you just bleed to death or you die of infection, which sucks. Yeah. But he did take the objectively best way to go if you have to choose. Yeah. Yeah, I want to flip my vet. That's what I want to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> you want to Paul? You want Paul Walker yourself? It's right that, that Nick's. Just drive your drive your vet twenty miles over the speed limit on Dead Man's Curve. Yeah, it's like that Nick Swartzen bet. You hear about my grandma? Yeah, she flipped her vet. <laughs> so, good. <laughs> so good. Oh shit! Uh, I remember that for a while. Oh man! All right. Well, with that, I got a lot of editing to do. So, uh, good night. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to get a spoonful of mayonnaise and flip my vent. I'll get you one later. Later. <laughs>